recorded live. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Welcome to the Colton Collective Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Dave A.C., and the Sixth Doctor. Hello, everybody. Uh, nothing like getting a late start on the show, but uh, we'll plop along forward. And uh, this is one of those days where I remember that the most useful thing in the world is having Star Trek Next Generation Ultimate Intro on hand at all times. <laughs> Dave, report to the bridge. Hey, Poppy. Pardon. <laughs> it's Remembrance Day, Poppy Day. Oh, I know. Ah, <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. Yesterday is the day, indeed. They don't sell them here, do they? No. They don't? Oh. No, no. Yes, the 11th of the 11th today. It's not day, but um, it's, it's I, I think here. most people are, are very wet. Sorry, it's called what in state? It's Veterans Day here. Right. Remembrance Day in the UK. Yep. All right. Uh, well, let's see who we have in the room today. And it's a very small audio room, but hey, we'll have fun nonetheless. Joining us, Mr. Perry G is here. Hello. Hello, sir. Ah, Glad you can hello. be on board. Glad to be here. Yes, we'll try and get going, so then we have to leave. <laughs> You have to report I, I, the politic three at three at three thirty. No, there you go. There you go. Yeah. And, and uh, I am not to be sure disturbed. <laughs> it's that Troy program again, isn't it? <clears throat> All right. Also joining us, uh, hanging out in engineering, it's Jeff, the seventh doctor. Shut up, Ian. I mean, <laughs> shut up, Wesley. <laughs> Hi, Ian. Those. Uh, how are you today? No, not too bad. And also that omnipotent being himself. It's Cuddly Q. I mean, Cuddly Ken. <laughs> yes. Yes, Captain. Glad to be here on the Starship Cultum. <laughs> Captain, Cap, Captain, <laughs> Cap, Captain, Captain Six Doctor and Captain Dave AC. <laughs> no, he's number two. <clears throat> Uh-oh. Oh. Fire in the ranks. <laughs> I want to be number one. Oh, dear. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's going to be one of those. It's always one of those shows. What am I going on about? All right. That's enough of who's on audio. Let's see who's under the car. Controls, new agent training program, section 3.5, the cone of silence. To activate, simply lower the cone and speak clearly. What? Do not overuse the cone of silence. What? Do not shout in the cone of silence. What? In fact, don't even use the cone of silence. What? It's never worked right. I don't know why we bought it in the first place. The portable cone of silence. What? 
And, uh, of course, on the uh, Cone of Silence holiday, uh, we've got uh, Logan is here, uh, Mr. Randall Thor. Don't know if he's coming on audio later or not, but we'll see. And, of course, Cybob is here. All right. There's only one more person to introduce, and that's the Typing Monkey. It's news time. Go, Typing Monkey, go. Yay. Yay. Anyway, a little bit of news here, just uh, basically stealing it all from uh, Doctor Who uh, News.net. Uh, of course, this weekend, uh, David Tennant uh, made his Star Wars debut in in uh, The Clone Wars, uh, the episode A Test of Strength. He was providing the voice of uh, droid uh, Hyang. Supervisor Director uh, Dave Filoni, a Doctor Who fan himself, said, when I heard the Doctor himself, David Tennant, was a fan of Star Wars, I knew I had to find a way to get in contact with him see if he perform on the Clone Wars. So, yeah, I have not seen the episode myself, but there is a little clip on there, too, of, of uh, Mr. Tennant um, doing his voice work. Uh, yes, uh, we weren't sure how to handle it, uh, but uh, there, of course, has been some uh, releases this week uh, about episodes of the uh, rest of Series 7 of Doctor Who. Uh, of course, one episode in particular written by a certain author. Uh, <laughs> and they're out there, so just be forewarned. We're not going to go into it because uh, we're already behind in the show, and uh, spoilers are always a difficult thing. But yes, just be warned that there's information out there should you decide to go and look for it. I have myself because I was spoiled already. Uh, but yes, there's some information out there about it. Say would be. Also, uh, I guess last week, uh, or the week before last, was the uh, start of uh, Wizards versus Aliens, the new Russell T Davies show. Um, that was, I think, basically brought in as a replacement for the Sarah Jane Adventures, and um, it's it's pretty much a, a, a kids' show uh, in much the same vein as, as Sarah Jane. Uh, I think actually more so than, than Sarah Jane was because. I think Russell was aware that we'd be watching as well, so there was some little bits and pieces in there for us, but uh, it's, it's very much a kid's show, and uh, uh, my my son Callum, who's only two, just seems to love it. As soon as it comes on the TV, he stops whatever he's doing, and he sits there, and, and he really watches it. So it's quite a nice little... Um, yeah, and uh, some more information on the... Uh, Colin Baker being on I'm a Celebrity, get me out of here. Uh, the reason why he's doing it is because of his four daughters. Uh, he says, my children decided I should do this. They're fans of the show, and the program is on uh, is on incessantly every year. They told me I had to go on, and they were, <laughs> they were so excited. My family is ridiculously delighted that I'm going. Can't wait to see you chomping on a giraffe's buttock. <laughs> There's no sympathy at all. Ooh, I can't wait. <laughs> Uh, now I'm about to go into the jungle. I want Sam excited. It's a mixture of intrigue, a feeling of uh, <laughs> resigned, and interested to see of how I'm going to react. I haven't a clue, as I have not done anything like this before. For me, this is pushing back the boundaries. I think I'll be able to deal with anything that comes up in the jungle. After all, I've met aliens on the, on the planet Zog, and I've encountered fans of Doctor Who at Doctor Who conventions, all of whom are wonderful, but can be a bit alien. Uh, there's one trial in particular I'm terrified by, and I'm not going to tell you what it is. <laughs> so, yes, 
uh, look out for that. It uh, starts on ITV on November the 11th, which is today at 9 p.m. So uh, be on the lookout for that. And uh, just a warning, too, if you do go to uh, DoctorWhoNews.net, that right, uh, if you're scrolling down the screen, right after that news of, uh, of Colin Baker is uh, the other spoilerish news we mentioned earlier. So avoid that. <laughs> All right, um, Perry, I'm going to um, ask you if you would uh, talk okay. a bit about finding Krypton. Oh, about finding Krypton. Well, you yes. know. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like being just <laughs> having news thrown at you. <laughs> well, I, I've read a couple of the, the things I've seen posted on Facebook about it, but apparently Neil deGrasse Tyson has been making an appearance in a recent um, Superman comic book where... I guess he's helped. I don't know much about what what he actually did in the comic, but he he made an appearance in the comic book and something about using all the world's telescopes to identify Krypton in the comic is what was what they did. And but he also I read, you know, gave a reasonable guess as to or he picked out an actual star in the sky where you know. Um, I don't want to say it's a guess for where Krypton would be because, you know, Krypton is a fictional place, but if Krypton existed, this would be a candidate uh, star, you know, like the one described. So it was a red giant star. It had some, didn't have a, an actual name, but it had a catalog number that he lists there. And he gives the coordinates for it and everything. Um, but so it's, it's, guess, it's basically I, life imitating error vice versa because he's basically doing the same thing. They're, they're finding it for... Uh, Superman in the comic, and he actually did the same thing and gave them a kind of a logical, a real-world possible yeah. uh, location of Krypton. That's kind of neat, I think. Just yeah, the, the, refresh, funny. refresh my memory, though. In the first movie, don't we see the spaceship flying through more than one galaxy? It crosses something like the six known yeah. galaxies. So it's not even in our galaxy, so... Yeah, that's true. In the, in the movie, it looks like he's flying through different galaxies, but... I don't, know. I don't know enough about the uh, the, the comic or the uh, the story behind it, and I thought he had been to Krypton since. I thought he went back and found it himself, and all sorts of things. But at least in Superman Returns, I thought that's what he was doing. You know, before that movie, I thought that's where where he had been. I don't know. I don't know about the comic progression, though. I mean, I thought he'd already been there back in you know. Right. <laughs> Probably, but there are all right. sorts of parallel universes in these comics that I don't, I'm not aware of, so I don't know what's yeah. going on where anymore. Imagine yeah, with Gorel and all of that stuff. Yeah. I'm sure Darth would know exactly. Yes, yes, but Darth is not here, probably due to the subject matter of today's show. <laughs> probably. We miss you, Darth. Really, we do. <laughs> all right. Well, that's about all I've got for news. Do you have anything, Dave? Uh, just a, a little bit of announcement that finally, uh, Mr. Lewis Trapani of Podshop fame, uh, looks as though his 14-day uh, ordeal is at least getting a little bit better. He's only been able to post a little bit with his uh, iPhone, uh, managed to get power now and again. But uh, uh, day 13, supplemental, great news. After almost four, uh, two weeks, have power and heat again. Still no phones, net TV, uh, and then... 
after that day 14 finally had power restore yesterday afternoon didn't wake up to a freezing house this morning finally shaved uh, uh, 14 supplemental now the real dirty work begins getting all the destroyed stuff out of my place and still expelling water and finally we had after 40 days some disaster relief volunteers stopped by with some special needed supplies so at long last his and uh, I think the last three quarters of a million houses look as though they're finally getting uh, some relief and returning back to well, not normality, but at least getting back on his feet. So best wishes to Lewis and all those others being affected. Ian, have I lost you? No, I'm just, you know, I'm forgetting to unmute myself. Um, did you have um, some, some, some news about the upcoming Coltham stuff, or did you want to save that for later? Uh, well, look out for a, an interview that should be coming up uh, this next week. We're we're still doing the interviews. We're back on to um, uh, Luther Series 2. There may be just a one-week gap as we move on with that, but uh, in the meantime, look forward to an interview with uh, none other than Michael of the Tinder Podcast talking about his new book, Whostrology. But, uh, that should be out in a few days. And... Uh, Next week, I may as well mention that for those people that need to leave us, we're doing another of our From the Mind of series, and it's From the Mind of George Lucas next week. Who's he? Sure. Has anyone heard of him? Uh, it's probably made a movie or two, sure. <laughs> yeah, speaking ears of the tale now. See, my humor just falls on deaf ears, doesn't it? Huh? What? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, dear. Well, if you'd like to uh, have my jokes fall upon your deaf ears, here's your how you do it. If you enjoy listening, why not join the collective and participate yourself? We're on TalkShoe. Call ID 54821. Call in on 724-444-74. Hello? Hello? We've got to get in. Okay. Ooh, can call it. 66.212.134.192 Or you can connect in directly via the shoe phone line if you have TalkShoe Live installed. Looking forward to hearing you. That's your son burning up your internet connection there, I what? think. What? 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 We, we lost audio for several seconds. Oh, yay. Yeah. I wasn't even talking either. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's normally when... That. It's probably when you hear that kind of stuff. <laughs> All right. Well, our topic today, day. Just oh, no. oh, no. Oh, no. Right. So, well, we are doing, we're actually doing a sort of a list page. It's something that we have actually put back uh, a little bit from an earlier idea of it. And this, of course, is to do with our, um... oh, is he coming back? No, uh, our Dreamcast, Dreamcast of Star Trek The Next Generation. And uh, let me just find the link that I put in the room just a moment or two ago. It's an INDB listing, uh, and it is um, a page that, um, where somebody has suggested who would be great 
to play the very famous parts if ever Star Trek The Next Generation came back to our television screens. So I'm not sure whether I can read it out. I will give it... Not sure I will give it one try. Go to Google and put in Dreamcast for Star Trek Next Generation Reboot. Uh, Dreamcast for Star Trek Next Generation Reboot, done in the style of J.J. Abrams' Star Trek. Remember, this is just for fun. Feedback always appreciated. And we've got... um, a number of the main cast members, and Ian, if he can get back on audio, has got a few audio clips for us today. Yes, uh, he's stepped into the breach because I was not able to do that earlier today. Ian, do yeah. we have you back? Can anyone hear me? Can indeed. Yay! Well, before I fade out again, I mean, we might as well start from the top, I guess. And uh, we'll start off with uh, this fine gentleman. Tell me, Captain. Have you completely recovered from your experience with the Borg? Yes, I have completely recovered. Must have been awful for you. Actually becoming one of them. Being forced to use your vast knowledge of Starfleet operations to aid the Borg. Just how many of our ships were lost? 39? And a loss of life, I believe measured at nearly 11,000. One wonders how you can sleep at night, having caused so much destruction. I question your actions, Captain. I question your choices. I question your loyalty. You know, there are some words I've known since I was a schoolboy. But the first link of the chain is forged. The first speech censured, the first Thought forbidden, first freedom denied, chains us all irrevocably. Those words were uttered by Judge Aaron Satie as wisdom and warning. First time any man's freedom is trodden on, we're all damaged. I fear that day. How dare you! You who consort with Romulans, invoke my father's name to support your traitorous arguments. It is an offense to everything I hold dear. It is over. Admiral Henry has called an end to any more hearings on this matter. That's good. Admiral Satie has left the Enterprise. We think we've come so far. Torture of heretics, burning of witches, all ancient history. Then, before you can blink an eye, suddenly it threatens to start all over again. I believed her. I I helped her. I did not see what she was. Mr. Worf, villains who twirl their moustaches are easy to spot. Those who clothe themselves in good deeds are well camouflaged. I think, after yesterday, people will not be so ready to trust her. Maybe. But she, or someone like her, will always be with us, waiting for the right climate in which to flourish, spreading fear in the name of righteousness. 
vigilance, Mr. Wolf. That is the price we have to continually pay. And hopefully everybody heard all of that. Yes, we did. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but, Dave, the uh, audio clips are on their way to you right now, if you uh, wouldn't mind okay. grabbing them from, <clears throat> from that little box, just in case. Okay, <laughs> so the, the first person we're talking about, obviously, therefore, is the captain himself. And um, according to this uh, list, the IMDB list, the person proposed there is uh, Michael Fassbender. The actor Michael Fassbender was born in Heidelberg, Germany, German and Irish descent, and he's suggested as a person who would make an admirable captain. Um, we're not going to uh, go in any necessary order. I think we we want to just let people jump in um, uh, as and when they can. Perry, we, I'm not sure how long we've got you for, but do you want to have you any suggestions for this character or a person to play them? Um. No, not really. Uh, I'm I'm not sure who would make a good Captain Picard. Michael Fassbender seems like a a good as good a candidate as any. Certainly a very busy actor. I was just looking at his IMDb page, and it looked like he's involved with at least eight or eight projects or something that are ongoing right now, or eight or ten or something. Um, but. No, I certainly enjoyed him as he was Magneto in X-Men First Class, and I thought he did an excellent job. And he was in um, Prometheus, where I thought he did a really good really good job as well. He's been in a lot of movies, and um, seems like a, a good actor. I'm not sure. I, I, when I think of Picard, you know, you, you just can't help but thinking of Patrick Stewart. I, it's hard to... It's hard for me to imagine other people in these roles, and I'm looking down the whole list there and kind of thinking to myself, well... Yeah, of course, that person looks like the character or whatever, but I don't know. I can't really judge how well they do as, as the character. Right. <clears throat> of course, uh, I mean, if you decide that um, you feel as though an actor's still up to being in any new version, I mean, you could still nominate Patrick Stewart if you felt he was still able to carry the role. Oh, well. Um, I suppose. But there was going to be a new cast, you know, sort of in the way that they've done um, the, the new Star Trek film. So you'd want to go with an all, all sort of um, renewed cast. Not sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's precedent kind of an for that, isn't there? For me, I think. Yeah, yeah. There's precedent for that. I mean, if you ever watch, um, like, The Magnificent Seven, the movies, you know, Chris, yeah. the main captain, played by Yul Brynner, in, uh, you know, in at least two of the movies, what he was yeah, taking yeah. over, but he still has a different crew, if you know what I mean. So, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. no, certainly. Okay, certainly anybody want to? Come. Oh, I was going to say certainly. I'm used to new actors taking on an old role, you know, with the, the Doctor and right. James Bond, things like that. But um, okay, but well, yeah, I guess I'm, had... not, I'm not very good at picking out new ones. <laughs> okay, well, since you, I think you said you had limited time. Is anyone you yeah. want to jump to quickly so that you can get your Somebody you might have yeah, as a, a I mean, <laughs> What? What? Oh, you could actually hear that one, of course. Yeah. <laughs> of course, we could hear that one. No, I didn't recognize all of the names on that list, but um, but certainly, of course, um, Katie Sackhoff as 
with Tasha Yar, you know, it would be an interesting choice. I, I just looking down the list, I don't know. It, it just seems to me like fairly unimaginative. You know, just looking at the pictures. You know, um, of course, there's a black guy. They say, you know, to play Worf, another, you know, guy to play Jordy. It's like, why can't they change up the characters, you know, a bit? Why do they have to even look the same? Is more or less what I'm trying to say here. There's a, there's a, actually another list I put in there that's uh, from a site called uh, themarysue.com, and uh, actually I think they did a better uh-huh. job than this. And the link, of course, is in the is in the text chat. Um, yeah, because there's there's. Yeah, so they tend to go visually as well, but I think some of them have actually got a, a really, uh, a really good, good, you know, a good match here, you know, rather than just the other one seems to be like, oh, who's popular now? Let's let's just put in. Yeah, like like I'm looking like the like the guy they have for the new Geordie, he might make a good Wesley, is Donald Glover, yeah. you know, and um, I've seen him in a few things, and and he's pretty good. Maybe he's just not young enough for that um, on this list. And and I don't know a lot of the actors on this list, to be fair. So I'm not sure I could really say. Of course, um, their pick for Deanna Troy, of course, you know, looks very nice. But I don't know. (laughs) Without actually uh, doing a little research, I'm not sure who she is. Yeah, um, on the second list that Ian's put up, uh, their, their nominee for... The captain is uh, Christopher Eccleston, by the way. Those who are not. Oh, I remember this one. Okay. Page. I think it's. This true. is the one I remember talking about it's... before. I think it's ridiculous, Did mainly because it? of his. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's mainly the way he talks. I mean, I'm sorry, but. I mean, you know, not that like you should have a sound alike, yeah. but you, you've got to have somebody who's got the same. Uh, I mean, he's so well spoken and, you know. It's just weird. Yeah. Not only that, he would leave after the first season. Yeah. <laughs> and never want to come back. It looks like he only he only chose him because there's a picture of him with his arms folded, just like the card. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Yeah, this list is even more like the actors that they nominate are almost identical looking to the, the previous actors. So. I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I'm the kind of person as I like I like the cast the way that it was and um, you know that's what I'm used like, to and uh Well it's one of those things if they did what they did to you know if they decided to continue in the same vein with the Star Trek movies like you now we've got this alternate reality thing, it's like okay now let's do you know, and they progress into you know the the next generation cast and put all those together in the same fashion. How, how would you, you know, which way would you go with that, you know? But yeah. the likelihood of all of them then getting together, being assigned to the same ship after, you know, what? Anyway, down yeah. off track. Yeah. But I think Michael, Michael Rosenbaum solely because he actually looks decent bald. <laughs> Sorry. He does. He looks decent bald. Not that I, uh, I, I think we should replace, you know, uh, the French British oh, captain with uh, an American, but I'm sorry, Michael Rosenbaum. Did we lose him again? Well, yeah, probably. Okay, Ken, right. do you want to... <clears throat> yes. Ken, do you want to come in? On yes, this um, 
I was I was jotting down to thinking of this list, who would be good? And Patrick Stewart is so tough an act to follow. And who would be as good? And you know, he doesn't have to be bald, but if you're going to go with that template and have someone, and have someone who's been excellent at Shakespeare and has a commanding presence and can be calm but also rage, only person really comes to mind is uh, Ray Fiennes. Um, good old Voldemort. And Schindler's List. He's done Shakespeare. Amazing job of Coriolanus that he directed himself. And he's British as a commanding presence. He would look, you know, excellent bald. And I think he'd be a very good captain. But... Again, Patrick Stewart, I think, has a has a painting in his basement. The man doesn't age too much, <laughs> uh, and he's big in in film. He, it's not like I mean the list, the IMDb list seems trendy, seems TV doesn't doesn't seem to be you know something that would go to a major film. Um, Patrick Stewart still seems to be the best candidate for that part I think even of the person I picked because he's such an amazing actor that voice, the presence and he's so good in everything else he does so it, 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 he's the toughest one it's, it's, you know Patrick Stewart was iconic before he played iconic so so it's a toughie. It's a toughie. But I, I'd go with Ray Fiennes. Eccleston, if you could totally change how he speaks, get get rid of the northern in his voice, uh, have a different attitude. Um, he has done it. He has done it. I mean, if you see him in, in Elizabeth, he's so different from some of his other parts. So I think he could pull it off. He could pull it off. But um, my vote would be with uh, Ray Fiennes for uh, okay. the card. There you go. Jeff, do you have any thoughts on this one? No, I, I don't. <laughs> what? 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 Uh, uh, other than, I have to echo Ken, I, I just think that uh, Patrick Stewart... Is almost impossible to replace. He's just such a tremendous actor, such an iconic actor, and he's done this role for so long. I just can't imagine anyone in my mind that could replace him right now. At least young enough and has that that type of voice uh, and acting experience that uh, that he could bring to the role. Okay. Patrick well, Stewart, and I, I still think Patrick Stewart could do it. Well, let me put forward my choice. Uh, I was thinking of um, uh, Colin Salmon, you know, who played Dr. Moon. <clears throat> don't know whether he could play it, or maybe he might be better as um, as a Klingon, I don't know. But uh, I thought he has that sort of uh, presence, um, certainly got the, uh, the, the gravitas in his voice and so on. Um, I don't know if anybody else 
What's that? What's that guy mm-hmm. out of? Uh, um, what's that show that got cancelled? Outcast. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, uh, yeah. Patterson Joseph. Pat- Patterson Joseph. No, 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 no. That that, that um, probably the wrong series now. That one that we that you that series you didn't like, but the. Oh, yes, yeah, the um, the one who played the leader. Liam Cunningham. Yeah. Yeah, Liam Cunningham, yes. Yeah. I can see him. Yeah, he'd be good. And welcome, Darth. Welcome, Darth. Hello. Thank you, sir. Stepping in to help out. That's my job. First thing he says, he gets five points, I don't know. Hey, Darth. Hello. Yeah, it's actually good. Yeah. Well, since I'm watching I just want to go on record saying Patrick Stewart is not iconic. Patrick Stewart is a middling actor who got lucky. Um, he is certainly not the cream of British actors. He's not irreplaceable. Colin Salmon, that's an interesting and uh, brave choice, and I think he certainly has the acting chops to do it. Um, I don't think it needs to be British. I would have, have no problem. I, you know, if I were to say who do I want to lead the Starship Enterprise, um, Denzel Washington seems more likely to me, and it would be more logical that somebody like Denzel Washington or an American would have um, the name Picard. Because one of the things that has made no sense, zero sense, anytime you sit down to watch Star Trek, why is this guy who is so, you know, Southern English? Why is he Picard? Is he really French heritage? No. But can I believe that, you know, somebody, you know, Denzel Washington could be French heritage? Absolutely. You know, I don't think it needs to be a bald guy. I think it needs to be an actual good actor, not just somebody who became a good actor because he was British in America and therefore got the, you know, the British bump, as it were. Um, Patrick Stewart is not some amazing actor. He yes, is he is. An okay he is actor. an amazing actor, but he's, <laughs> right. he's, he's not. not. He's really not. You're peeking not. out. So you're peeking yeah. out. He's no, really I disagree not. with that, Darth. I'm sure oh, that so you much. do. I'm sure that you do. I mean, that is a common American reaction that Patrick Stewart is an acting god. That he could, you know, was, was the heart and soul of Star Trek Next Generation. I thought he, he was he great was, before he was in Star Trek. He had nothing to do. before he was in Star Trek. He was absolutely nothing before he was in Star Trek. He was just... I, Claudius, like, Excalibur. Minor roles. Minor roles. Not, not to me. He was so noticeable. I, that's why I was thrilled he was in Star Trek. All of the work he did with the National Royal Shakespeare Company, that's yeah, not to be discounted. It, it It is to be discounted, and the reason that it's to be discounted is because he's not alone in that. There are so many great, hardworking... British actors who Americans don't see on a regular basis, such that it is possible to believe, you know, that Patrick Stewart is somehow heads and shoulders above the rest of them. I tell you what, Sean Parks, just take Sean Parks, who, you know, we know barely because of involvement with um, Doctor Who and, you know, like uh, Satan Pit and Impossible Planet, and also because he was sort of tenant sidekick in um, Casanova. He's got fabulous, fabulous acting chops. Um, And he could lead the Starship Enterprise. Anybody could lead the Starship Enterprise. I mean, this exercise is obviously just having fun because this will never happen. But if it were real, 
the uh, the notion that you have to cast you know that you have to revere Patrick Stewart's work to the to the point that you can't contemplate anybody who would possibly look even slightly different to him is I think wrong and uh you know one of the one of the small problems that I have with Star Trek 2009 is they didn't have any really brave casting there you know, the bravest thing that they did, and this isn't terribly brave, but the bravest thing that they did was to cast somebody who was British, not Scottish, but at least British, to play Scotty. You know, at least you're not talking about some Canadian fumbling around in the dark for an accent. Um, but the, um, the the notion that somehow you you got to have – it's got to be a white guy. It's got to be a bald guy. It's got to be, you know, a relatively short guy. Uh, it's got to be somebody who comes from, you know, some great Shakespearean heritage – no, yeah, I mean they're just sorry, only, sorry, the only the kind of thing template. Only the kind of thing I was saying at the which you don't have to. Yeah. Granted, I I didn't hear anything out of that because both of you. Okay, so on, only if you want to follow the template, which you don't have to. Granted, but if you're going to go for what Abrams did with Star Trek, and you're going to cast something in a similar notion, you're going hmm. for a physicality. A voice similarity, et cetera, et cetera. You know. But you can you can do whatever the heck you want with casting if you want to really be brave, like you said. Right. You know? And I and I don't think it takes too much bravery really to do that, because if you're gonna say that now the the universe is different because of, you know, what happened with Kirk and his parents and whatever, then it doesn't take too much bravery to say, All right. You know, Picard's mother was white in the original uh, universe, but in the alternate universe, she's black. I mean, that's that's no big deal. Um, I don't know. I just I just don't. Bravery comes with that, the perception of how much the studio wants to vary from what they've already done in keeping a franchise going. Well, okay, but the, you know, this is not a question about the studio because the studio is not going to touch a project like yeah. this. Um, this is a question for fans. So, you know, in in that sense, your mind can be liberated to to try all sorts of things that, you know, are not realistic because the whole proposition is not realistic. Well, I can see that in some ways. I mean, on this second list that we put in the room, they've got uh, for Worf, uh, Idris Elba. But I think Idris Elba could play the captain. He could play, yeah. uh, you know, the the the, the, the captain rather than. You know, hide him under all that makeup. Yeah. A Riker, yeah. I think maybe he'd be better at. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, you know, I'm, I'm going to bring this name up again because I always bring this name up because it's, you know, one of my favorite actors on the planet. Just like I think he could play the Doctor, I think you could get, you know, Chiwetel Ejiofor in here and as as Picard, and that would be fabulous. He, he's got all of the. He's incredible. The base, He's got all the basic qualities of the character of Jean-Luc Picard, not the actor Patrick Stewart, but the character, you know, reasoned, uh, reasonable, uh, you know, renaissance, uh, um, diplomatic, you know, all, all, all the what, what different the things name? that you could – Chiwetel Ejiofor, he, was, he played the villain in Serenity and has done a lot of um, – Oh, he's great, yeah. Great. Yeah. 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 Humor too. Yeah. 
Kinky Boots. Yeah. He's an amazing movie. Yeah. And... yeah. No, he's great. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He, he would absolutely command the attention of the screen. Um, and you, you can just imagine yeah, he'd be, him. He'd be a great Picard. You're right. Yeah. Right. He'd be a great doctor. I mean, I, he's he's just a fabulous actor who's got this reasonable, level-headed thing. But, of course, you're going, you know, quite far away from the, the stereotype there. And, and the other thing is, you know, if we're going to keep the same basic background, that is to say, in his youth, and you never believe this about Patrick Stewart. I'm sorry, but it just never – it's not something that's in the, the Patrick Stewart ability to act, this notion that um, – Somehow Picard was in his youth rebellious and ended up in a bar fight that yeah, you know that had him you know and Patrick Stewart never did that and there's nothing in the portrayal of Jean Luc Picard that in any way suggests that um, but you can believe that somebody like Tuatel Ejiofor would have been in a massive bar fight in his youth and that that might have taught him a lesson and that might have sent him back to the books I mean you can just believe it you can just you know, because he's a big physical guy, you can you can see that that might have happened. But there's no way that somebody who's like five foot ten or five foot nothing or whatever it is that Picard is, I mean that Stewart is, he wouldn't have gotten into a bar fight with Noskin, three Noskins. Doesn't make any sense. Never has. Um, so if you're going to keep that element of the of the story, um, which you might not if you're talking about a movie, but if you're talking about a you know revived television series, that might be more re- relevant. Going to keep that. You need to get somebody in there who looks like at one point they might have been able to, you know, throw down. Um, so I don't know. I, to, to me, Picard needs to be changed because Picard was one of the weaker elements of Next Gen the whole way through. Well, no, I don't think I can agree with that. But I mean, I'm each sure of our own choices. Yeah. 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 So it's a short show, Ian. We're still on the first one. <laughs> It's because Darth showed up. <laughs> no, it's great. Great. A bit of controversy. Yeah. Never hurt the show at all. Yeah, wait, Anybody else? I don't know if you were here, Darth, but uh, um, <laughs> I was going for for looks alone. I mentioned uh, Michael Rosenbaum. Solely because I've never seen anybody look better bald than him. I, well, I can see that, and and again, that but plays to a thing that makes some better sense to me. Uh, you know, an American, so therefore, you, you know, you just sort of accept the the French surname and move on. Um, I I can see that he's he certainly is a great actor. He certainly you can you know imagine an intellectual performance out of him and everything. Um, but again, I mean, that, if I were redoing it, the last thing in the world I would do is get a bald white guy in there. Hmm. Well, like I said, you know, looks alone, you'd go, hey. You know. Sure. Yeah, you, you wouldn't believe that, yeah. yeah. Darth, I just Any put more? some information in chat. Um, Patrick Stewart's five foot ten, and so is William Shatner. Wow. Yeah, but, I mean... Shatner knows how to throw it down. I mean, come on. That's not even, you know, oranges to oranges to apples there. Yeah. Well, I think the storyline explained why he became the way he became. <laughs> but but there's nothing about the Patrick Stewart performance that in any way suggests at any point in that guy's life he was ever prepared to control yeah. yeah to prepare to take on three Noskins in a fight that clearly he couldn't win i mean the, everything about the patrick stewart performance is control reasonableness you know i i found the episode tapestry to be very convincing 
My I, I didn't. And, and don't, forget, of course, yeah. don't forget, of course, that one of the reasons that you might have found that to be convincing is that wasn't Patrick Stewart playing the role at that time. You know, the young Patrick Stewart or the young Picard is not Patrick Stewart, right? It's somebody else. So you, you, you might have read something into that. Well, no, actually, it was Patrick Stewart the whole way through that episode. Yeah, there's only a brief really? moment, actually. It's the, the little uh, bit that Q shows when they're kind of in that white area where they show yeah. him being run through. Well, later on, he's, he actually does the bar fight himself and gets run through right then and there and does the laugh and everything. Yeah. yeah. Still. It, 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 like two weeks ago. So. <laughs> Patrick Stewart just don't do it for you. Well, I mean, not. Cer- I certainly have never bought that particular aspect of that character, but it, it, it makes sense on paper. It's just something that couldn't be that. Patrick Stewart doesn't have any range. I mean, as an actor, really, he doesn't have any range. His 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 range is, you know, the guy in charge, more or less. And anytime he steps out of that, it's it doesn't just don't believe it. Um, and that's fine, I suppose, for creating this. You know, day in, day out grind of making a television show because you do, you don't want to have to work super, super hard the whole time, I guess. But I mean, he's just um, he, he's not something that I think is key to the reinvention. Whereas, you know, you do need somebody I think who is basically like Leonard Nimoy to make Spock. If you're going to redo that, it's kind of got to be along the lines of Leonard Nimoy to work. Um, and, it, you know, if you look at Chris Pine's performance as Kirk, there are moments, there are flashes, especially at the end of the show after he's, you know, fully assumed the mantle of Captain Kirk, where he does look like and sound like um, Shatner. But, you know, throughout most of that film, it's a different interpretation. It is a, a much more reckless sort of interpretation than actually... Kirk is when you when you look at the Shatner performance in the movie in the television series we tend to think oh he was always you know reckless he was always going against the book he was always doing these things but not really the truth of the matter is that Kirk is very diplomatic most of the time he just has a a very physical fighting style that maybe we kind of remember um but you know there's if if you take the Chris Pine performance throughout most of the movie and you compare it to the Shatner performance of say season one, they're, they're very different. They really are, um, and and all you're left with is sort of a vague physical similarity and a couple of moments where he, it, Pine invokes the spirit of Shatner, and that's kind of how I think it should be. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna redo Picard, redo him in a big way. Don't don't keep a lot of the same elements because you know. Picard's boring. Let's just face it. He is the most boring of the captains. Let's liven him up. Let's get something else going on there. Well, I, I, that could be a, a, the aspect of the fact that as the captain, he's got to enforce the prime directive and he's always got to be the voice of reason and he's always got to be the representative of the Federation. Um, so that's the character's um, you know, role. But I think we... Anybody else want to make a comment about this particular casting uh, before we, I think we ought to move on uh, at least to number two. <laughs> no, I'll take that quote silence as uh, okay. Well, in the first list we've got um, for the second offering is the uh, the role of uh, William Riker. 
I have a I have a clip. Oh, I've got a clip. Got a clip. Here we go. What should I say? How do how do I act? What do I do? Guinan, I need your help. Could you step over here a minute? Sounds simple enough. Now, first words out of your mouth are the most important. You may want to start with something like this here. You are the most beautiful woman in the galaxy. But that might not work. Yes, yes it would. You don't know how long I've wanted to tell you that. But you were afraid. Yes. Of me? Of us, of what we might become. Commander? Or that you might think that was a lie. Maybe I do think it's a lie. Can you think I'm not sincere? I didn't say that. There's nothing wrong with the line. It's like a knock at the door. Then you're inviting me in. I'm not sending you away. That's more than I expected. Is it as much as you hoped? To hope is to recognize the possibility. I had only dreams. Dreams can be dangerous. Not these dreams. I dream of a galaxy where your eyes are the stars and the universe worships the night. Careful. Putting me on a pedestal so high you may not be able to reach me. Then I'll learn how to fly. You are the heart in my day and the soul in my night. I don't think this is my style. Shut up, kid. Tell me more about my eyes. (laughs) (laughs) I think you get a C minus in English lit if you gave that in. (laughs) Shut up, Wesley. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, yes. They've um, they suggest uh, Luke Evans, uh, known for being the in the Raven. Well, it's from uh, Pontypool uh, in Wales. Uh, so he's the person that they have uh, listed as a possible replacement for that role. And since the other ones are in different order, uh, they've got it uh, as uh, Richard Madden, Game of Thrones. Richard Madden has all the qualities of a young writer. Assured a leader and certainly good looking. I'm sure Jonathan Frakes could still teach him a thing or two. So we've got two options there Luke Evans or um, Richard Madden. Anybody? um, (laughs) (laughs) But I guess uh, Luke Evans is actually in the the, the Hobbit movies. Hmm. He's listed as a bard. In the Hobbit, Bard the Bowman. I just recently saw the Raven the other day, and uh, he didn't. He did an okay job in that movie. I don't know. I wasn't impressed with the movie <laughs> overall, <laughs> a lot. But uh, I, I don't know if I can see him as a Riker character. I don't know enough about him yet. This actor, Riker, Difficult I always one. saw as the um, the Next Generation's version of of of, um, of Kirk. You know, he's supposed to be big physical guy. He's a ladies' man, and uh, got in fights. You know, was emotional. I don't know. The only name I'm coming up with. The the the, the character is like very very shallow and you know kind of a little two dimensional at times. It's, mm. You know, it's kind of why I picked that clip. It's kind of. 
pumped him up in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. If I were recasting this thing, I would um, I, I would invert the relationship here. And I would say that Troy should be the first officer and that Riker should be the um, counselor. Um, just to, I mean, you, you can't, as we just learned in an election, you can't say that the two leaders of the ship have got to be white men. That just that's not going to fly with modern audiences. You got to do something to shake it up. There is something interesting about keeping this sort of ongoing relationship that is sort of slightly taboo according to the regulations. Sort of, not really, but you know, they they got to watch it. Um, something interesting about having a smoldering relationship there uh, on the bridge of the crew of the Enterprise. But um, so I would keep that around, but I, I would totally invert things. I would I would absolutely say, you know, let's get the guy to be the counselor, the girl to be the um, first officer. Um, m- maybe keep, you know, Troy with being the Beta Z, maybe not actually make Riker the Beta Z, but keep Troy as the Beta Z because that might be interesting. Um, you know, the one thing that you find about Riker, at least that I find about Riker, is that in most situations, except for, um, you know, um, Best of Both Worlds, where he's, you know, literally becomes captain, most of the time he's just sort of a rubber stamp for Picard. You know, he is the quintessential vice president, right? Um, in a way that Spock never was. I mean, the great thing about the original series is that you had the guy who's the science officer, but also he has actual command level authority and therefore would produce differing um, opinions for the captain to make a decision based on. And so you have these nice moments of logic and intuition coming into conflict with each other, but you don't really have that on next gen because Riker is more or less like Picard. And even though they sort of are, you know, on paper, Riker is said to be, you know, this very funny guy. He isn't really that funny, you know, but he's said to be this guy who's got a great sense of humor and has a great relationship and rapport with the crew and all that. But you don't really see it that much on the the series. That, that example that you just gave in the clip, it's one of the few times that he really becomes kind of somewhat funny. Um, most of the time, he's just, you know, whatever you want, Captain, I'll do what you want, and I'm not going to leave this post because I so enjoy being your first officer rather than being my own captain. You know, it's sort of, it's not very interesting. Um, so I think it might be much more interesting to sort of put, put him into the role of a counselor where if he is actually supposed to be a funny guy, that would come into play. That would actually make some sense to have the counselor be warm and convivial and all that. And let's have, you know, the Troy be the, the first officer and, you know, have her intuition be something, her, her empathic abilities be something that she could offer to the captain in a more, in, in situations that might cause some tension. You know, the captain logically thinking, no, no, we need to do this. But the impasse saying, look, I'm telling you, I am feeling evil from that thing over there. You need to not do what you're thinking about doing. You know, that would be some interesting tension, I would think. Um, so that, you yeah, know, always, the always, act, yeah, go ahead. I always saw Riker as being um, Kirk. 
Mm, because me they too. Basically, um, uh, they, they, they put a negotiator, basically, in the captain's chair, but they still needed somebody to do the rough-and-tumble, shirt-tearing, um, hooking up with the ladies bit. That... Hello? We've gone again. Uh-oh. Oh, we lost the end. back in. Well, while we just wait for him to come in, anybody else? I mean, I've yes, got one suggestion, um, but Ken? Riker always did seem... Uh, as the Kirk replacement, because Picard is uh, the captain that stays on the ship. It, it, there was always that uh, feeling like, why are you endangering uh, the uh, leader of the vessel every episode? So they, they broke it up into two people. And Riker was Kirk with a little, little more wit, a little more finesse, love of jazz, a little more of the poet in him. And the best episodes with Riker were always when he came in conflict, whether it was on a, or the Klingon ship or whether it was butting heads with Jellicoe. And someone I think would be good if you're, you're keeping the command chain the way it is. I think Michael Fassbinder, who was mentioned before, would be an excellent Riker. And something Darth said, Quieto uh, Giafor as Picard, with Fastbinder as Riker, would be a great combination. It would be a, a, an immense combination, or you know, whoever. But I, I think the combination of that, playing off of each other, would make for, for a hell of a movie. And Fastbinder has the uh, action chops. He has a sense of a wit. He's good with languages. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, there's this little bit of a swashbuckler in him too, so that would that would uh, fit in well with uh, Riker's character. Uh, and I've forgotten the name again now. It's just gone out of my head. The the chap I was thinking of was the the chap who played Green Arrow in Smallville, um, and I can't remember his name now. The blonde guy who plays Green Arrow. I'll have to look it up. Justin somebody or other. That sounds like it. Um, I forget what his name is. But that's who it is. Not in the New Arrow, but in the Smallville. Yeah, the Smallville one, yeah. I think you and McGregor would be good. Oh, you're back. Oh. uh, Yeah, I guess. uh, Hartley, Justin Hartley. Yes. Because he's got that sort of uh, muscular, action-y type of uh, ladies' man type of uh, persona that he used to good effect in that. I could see him doing uh, the role uh, and doing the action. Mike's put in uh, Nick Cage. I'm not sure whether Nick Cage might be a bit old. But... He's just a Nick Cage for everybody, by the way, just so you know. Oh. Oh, mm. hello. Oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> the big in the key or in the ice cream round. Um, yeah, Perry says he's, it's time for him to go, but he would love to hear a one-word review of Skyfall from Darth. <laughs> I don't have one to give. I've not seen it yet. Ah, I can't believe oh, that. Okay. I'm waiting for the free popcorn day, which is Tuesday. We'll talk on Friday then. Well, I'm going to be there for most of the day because I've seen it multiple times. So There you go. You know, I need to have food, so it needs to be cheap food. Double up on the popcorn. Yeah. 
Well, enjoy, Darth. <laughs> I thought it was very good. But I'm I, curious I've heard nothing say. but good about it. So. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. great. All right, talk to you guys on Friday. Cheers. Cheers. See you later. Bye, my, I've usually eaten my popcorn by the time the main film starts. I still need a Okay, uh, anybody else want to make a suggestion on uh, this uh, position, Riker? Jeff? No. Jeff? Yeah. No. All right, let's move swiftly onwards. Um, who would be? Oh, let's just go with Data. Just because. Let's just go with Data. Should I play the clip this time? Oh, you play. What? Okay. Yeah. Well, if it cuts out, then you can take over. Okay. Captain. Bridge. No. You cut out. Oh. Playing games mm. now. Ian, you have to stop it. I- okay, go ahead. I think we'll just let you play the clips from now. Captain? Yeah. Bridge. It has been quite a day. Has it not? Yes, it has. However, a change of routine is often invigorating and can be a welcome diversion after a long assignment. Exactly. I understand that our carrier has some very interesting weather patterns. Mr. Data, are you all right? Yes, sir. I am attempting to fill a silent moment with non-relevant conversation. Small talk. Yes, sir. I have found that humans often use small talk during awkward moments. Therefore, I have written a new subroutine for that purpose. How did I do? Perhaps it was a little too non-relevant. But... If you really are interested in small talk, then you should keep your eye on Commander Hutchinson at the reception this afternoon. He's a master. Thank you, sir. I will. You've just been set up, Data. <laughs> I remember that episode. Um, any, anybody want to dive in here? If not, I'll mention the one I've got for him. Uh, Tony Curran. Who played uh, Vincent Van Gogh in the uh, Vincent the Doctor? I'm afraid most of my suggestions might be British aspect, but uh, at least it, it will give some, you know, difference in the range of people we put forward. So that's my choice. I, I feel as though you could, uh, you know, play that sort of um, out of yeah out of the ordinary role in that part. But of course, it doesn't. It doesn't necessarily mean that any, um, you know, new version. I mean, we could have a slightly more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, a more humanised data. You don't need to go back to him being a Pinocchio sort of guy to start with. Ken, this is one of your favourite characters, isn't it? Um, not exactly. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> to be honest, I. Um, I like who uh, Randall is actually uh, saying. Um, Jeff Goldblum. 
he has an interesting speech pattern. Mm. And, and he'd be rather good. He'd be rather good. I, I, I could not come up with anyone for data. Um, I seem to always have liked uh, Robert Foxworth's performance in Quester as kind of the influence for data, better than the character of data, to be honest. Uh, and Randall was choking. Okay, well, but uh, no, I haven't come up with uh, one, to be honest. I leave it okay. to the group. Jeff? Uh, this is one I actually could come up with somebody. Uh, Jason Bear, if if you've watched the series Roswell, uh, he played the main character in that series. and um, I always thought of Data as a bit wooden, <laughs> going to Pinocchio type reference there, I guess. And and that's the way I thought uh, Jason Bear played the main character in Roswell. I, I think he would be an excellent choice for Data. Yeah, I see that. Making me think of um, the... Uh, he's got those funny ears, hasn't he? He's got these sort of... Um, Making me think of uh, the the Terminator 1000 out of uh, Terminator Judgment Day, is it? The second one. The one Robert, Robert Patrick. Yeah, Robert Patrick. Patrick. Yeah. Yeah, he does kind of have ears sort of like that. Sort of uh, hunter's, a hunter's look. Okay, Darth, do you want to come in on this one? Um... Hmm. Well, horrible character. Um, so I wouldn't. The problem is he's a horrible character, but he's he's so identified with the Star Trek Next Generation that you probably couldn't get rid of him, even though it would be better dramatically if you could, because it's a stupid story. It's a, it's a very old story. It is, as we found out in the first episode, it is just the story of the Tin Man from Wizard of Oz. So it's not really that engaging. It is. It is you know, everybody says, "Well, it's the Spock of this series." Well, that's not true. The, the Spock of Next Gen is Worf. Um, the, this is just uh, a character with limited potential, and I don't think it's all that hard to play, especially if you're just talking about casting for one movie. It could, it could literally be just about any actor, and it would be fine because you know, there's nothing to once you once you set the basic template of your speech pattern. That's what the character is because you know it's a, it's an android. The android is going to do relatively predictable things with most lines, so it's a it's an easy role. Um, but it, it is a role that I wish weren't in next gen because it's um, you know it's just so boring dramatically. So I would say anyone, but preferably no one. Fair enough. Ian, do you want to come in on data? Mm, I haven't had a lot of thoughts because, I mean, like I said, it's uh, it's an odd one. I mean, I, I kind of like the suggestion I had on this other list of, of Tom Hiddleston because I could see him doing a, a, a good job of the kind of like deadpan, very kind of uh, non-emotive, um, you know, data part. But yeah, I didn't actually yeah, read I, out, did I, the two that yeah. uh, referenced? He would be yeah. good. But, uh, it, I mean, it's one of those things, it's like, of all of the characters, 
that they're talking about, the the one that they'd probably do do something quite different with, I think, would be data. As far as having uh, an android or an artificial um, humanoid, they would probably go, you know, something quite different. Maybe something more um, technogenic, something you know, I don't know, almost uh, a cross between a Cyberman and a, and a human, you know. Something more along the lines of you know of trying to create an actual human, but involving you know, not a, you know maybe more like a cyborg, but with you know them actually creating the the, the human parts rather than you know uh, augmenting a human with technology, actually creating something that's got you know technology involved in the create. It's weird to explain, but yeah, I could see them kind of really kind of revamping that whole character rather than going for the you know the walking encyclopedia um you know, pinocchio trying to be human type thing i think that, that like Dara says it, it's it's it wouldn't be very interesting and so i think if they were going to keep it they would do something different with data altogether so it's really kind of i think it's difficult then to pin down you know what you would do i mean all you're basically doing is trying to find somebody who could impersonate brent spiner's data because that's Really, kind of the only image that we have. But yeah, I could, I could, you know, could be anyone really uh, doing something like that. Right from the IMDb, by the way, the, the other selection was Casey Bond, the actor in Moneyball, uh, as opposed to the Tom Hiddleston one that you read out. Mm -hmm. Okay, I think uh, what we better do is push on unless somebody uh, ever wants to jump in with the the next one. Um, and it is actually Worf, which Ian has prepared. To put on. That is how the Klingon lures a mate. Are you telling me to go yell at Celia? No, men do not roar. Women roar, and they hurl heavy objects. What does the man do? He reads love poetry. He ducks a lot. Or, sounds like it works great for the Klingons, but I think I need to try something a little less dangerous. Go to her door. Beg like a human. And... <laughs> And actually, I'm gonna... Sorry, go ahead. I was just thinking, just before we move off data, I suddenly thought about, what about the guy from uh, uh, Big Bang Theory, Sheldon? Could he play what, uh, data? Data? He'd just be going to... To, you to know, which like the character plays yeah. now? Yeah. I, it'd be too much... It'd be like data meets C-3PO, for crying out loud. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think uh, you... Almost get, I mean, as much as I like Data and, and, and DNG, it's it, Brent Spiner's portrayal of him is the one you got to get away from. Because, yeah, like I said, I think it would be if they did do it, it'd be something very different as far as uh, character. Okay, well, the the options we've got here on the IMDb is uh, uh, Billy Brown uh, to play uh, Worf, 
uh, who's been already been in Star Trek, and uh, and of course we've got the Edris Elba, Edris Elba that I mentioned, Idris Elba. Get it right in a minute uh, on the um, the the other list, the second list that you put up Ian. Yeah, I and I think I think actually Edris Elba would be fantastic. I mean, his, his, everything about him is quite you know quite imposing, you know. I think I think it'd be perfect. That's just me. Anyone else? Anyone else? I agree with my pick. Um, nothing to do with color. It's his intensity, attitude, uh, voice. If anybody's going to uh, be commanding like Michael Dorn was in the part, I mean, I I I love. Uh, all the other work he's done. He was great as Heimdall and Thor, and he's Shakespeare, Luther, and, you know, he has just a wonderful, wonderful presence. Um, I can't think of anything one uh, off the hand that would be better. Okay, guys, jump in. I don't have any suggestions. (laughs) I'm waiting for Mike's suggestion. (laughs) Nick Kate? I think this is one where really it doesn't you can't just throw anybody in here but because there's so much makeup involved um, what you see from that actor when they're not in makeup doesn't necessarily translate into what it would be later because I mean if you look at we all kind of know Michael Dorn because he's the most prominent Klingon or whatever, but if you look at people who have played various prominent um, Klingons, they aren't necessarily at all like that in their, you know, outside of the Klingon makeup. Um, There's something about that makeup that forces certain things to happen, especially the fact that you're wearing these, you know, big prosthetic teeth. Um, And that's going to naturally change your... Uh, speech patterns. So, just because uh, on paper Idris Elba looks good, and he does, um, I don't know that necessarily that would translate into um, a great performance from a Klingon. I think I think you'd be. This is one of those roles where I think if you just had an open casting call mm-hmm. and said, you know, we're going to make you up. And then we want to see what happens to you after that. That's kind of what you've got to do. And I think that they, this would be a role, too, where they would want to save some money. Um, if you're talking about this being a realistic proposition, you, you wouldn't get somebody who was already well-established, really, for this role any more than you did when you cast Michael Dorn. Um, because you're not really paying for what they look like out of the makeup. you know. Um, so you would probably... If you're rational about this, you would probably go for somebody that we just don't know at all and see what happens. Yep, I think actually that's a solid argument. Uh, I mean, they obviously can't. I mean, some of the names that we've mentioned, it's going to be a pretty expensive cast. But again, it is a dream cast. It's it's, who you'd put in there. Given you know all the money you could and 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 uh, and uh, the authority given by the the studio to just do it, 
You've got to yeah, make I, that. I like it just so basically because I mean, vocally and and you know and physically, I you know, some people who play Klingons is kind of like, man, you're scrawny for a Klingon. Uh, the one thing I always like about uh, Worf is that him being in Starfleet, um, and being such a strong Klingon. Losing. Uh, oh. You lost me again. Yep. Hello. Am I back? Yep. I can hear you. In and out of reality, I, I can hear you. Push on us. Okay, good. Yeah, but it's like you know, that's, that, that was the thing about Worf. Is he, he was this you know big Klingon, um, and such a Klingon because he'd been you know kept away from Klingon. Whoa. And um, we've lost him again. But, yeah, so I mean, they have to be imposing. They have to be big and, you know, and vocally, you know, Idris Elba can just, I can just hear him doing that, <laughs> that yell at the beginning of the clip. <laughs> if anybody heard any of that. You were going in and out a bit. Yeah. yeah. And I think he could work the turtle head. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Person who always amazed me being a Klingon when I saw him was Gowron. Mm. <laughs> oh yes, those this, eyes. But, but I mean, he's just this regular blonde guy you would never expect in a million years, uh, and then in that costume, this amazing glower he mm. always did, like behind the, those eyes, it was just like, geez, stop yeah. staring oh. at me from the TV set, guy. Uh, Robert o- O'Reilly. Yeah. Oh my goodness, the makeup did not make his character. His eyes did. Yeah. That was the one actor I think <laughs> that's played a next generation style Klingon that uh, you know it wasn't the makeup that uh, was changed the act the the character it was the the actor himself with the eyes. Yeah, what he glowered at you. Oh yeah. Those, those eyes just went wide open, and it spooked me every time he did that. Yeah, but I think, you know, if you look at the, at the other example of a prominent Klingon, um, Jizzy Herzler, you know, he doesn't at all look like it. I mean, he looks like somebody's sweet old grandfather, you know, out of makeup, and... The transformation there is just amazing. Much bigger, I think, than the transformation for just about anybody else into being a, a Klingon. I think it proves the point. You, you just it it literally can be anybody that, that can provide a, a fantastic performance as a Klingon, and it's just a matter of you know. I, I think if you're realistically casting this, it's just a matter of actually having the Klingon makeup applied during the later stages of the casting process and just seeing which one works best. Yeah. Okay. Uh, are we ready to move on? Sure. No, we haven't got a clip for Tasha, have we? don't think. No. Okay. So we've got on the list uh, uh, Katie Sackhoff. Uh, from White Noise, The Light. Uh, those two separate programs. I've got no idea whatsoever. And we've got um, uh, Julia Stiles um, as one of the options on the second list. So, again, they've both gone for blonde actresses again, which, uh, uh, as Darth points, I don't really think 
I think you need somebody a bit more muscular, somebody in the sort of Xena uh, ca- character type of uh, you know build and mould, I would have thought. I mean, if you're going to put her in the movie, then I think... Uh, I mean, uh, their suggestion of Katie Sackhoff is fine, but I wouldn't put her in the movie because she's dead. And if you're going to have Worf, then it doesn't make sense to have Tasha Yar. Yeah. I, I, well, I mean, I think you could have one or the other. And I think that most yeah. people would say, you're gonna, if you're going to do a redux of this thing, it's got to be Worf. I mean, and there's nothing seriously... You know, I know I've been railing on the acting performance of people that, you know, fans love, but seriously, that acting portrayal does not deserve to be commemorated in a film. It was horrible. She was horrible. She was absolutely, by any objective measure of acting talent, and that may sound like a thing that can't happen, maybe it's an oxymoron, but still, I've never such a poor performance out of a regular character in anything. Except for, of course, you know, Wesley, and that's pretty horrible too, but, you know, Wesley, at least in his defense, was given horrible, I don't know, things to do. Um, But, my God, Denise Crosby can't act, and there's no reason to say that she is a part of the next-gen legacy whatsoever, because she's really not. Any Denise Crosby fans in the room? I thought she was adequate, but... I've got a Tasha Yar figure. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. The the only episode that I really thought she was decent in was yesterday's Enterprise. Oh, God, that was so horrible, though. Horrible. That's the ones where she returned to the role. Yeah, and then they used that to create... Yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, I suppose if you were going to have anybody play it, it would be the actress who played her daughter, wouldn't it, I suppose? Pardon? She is the actor who played her daughter. No, play... The per... No, we were talking about Tasha Yar. Uh, somebody said that Denise Crosby's best acting was when she came back into that episode. And then somebody said it was only to create her, her daughter. I'm just saying the actress who played her daughter could play yeah. the um, yeah, Tasha Yar character. She is the actor who played was her daughter. Denise Crosby. <laughs> well, what, 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 what am I thinking of? I'm thinking of that one that came back. They went on the spying mission with Data then. That's her sister. Ah. Yes. The sister. Sister. Thank you. Yeah, but she'd be older than Hills now, too. So, can't be her. Yeah. But but to your point, I mean, just to sort of salvage this, she was better in one episode than Denise Crosby, and I forget her name, who it was, but she was better in one episode than Denise Crosby was in all the episodes. And I include Yesterday's Enterprise in that, because I don't think she's anything in yesterday's enterprise it, that's all emotionalism she's pretty freaking horrible there too considering that was supposed to be you know three years or two years of you know additional roles and honing her craft that doesn't look like two years of progress to me she she did look a little bit as though she had a facelift her face looked a little bit of a uh, you know a one set expression wow. 
Denise, well, that's just how Denise Crosby is. She always looks like she's, you know, oh my God, what's happening? You know, she's the classic example of, you know, a deer in headlight. That is her basic expression. Okay, well, I think. Best Oh. So that's again, Ian, please. Best, best descent. Yeah, I thought she was, she was good. Okay, I think we ought to move on, really, especially if we've decided that having both would be redundant. Or does anybody in the room feel as though you could have both Tashi, Yar, and Worf? Uh, obviously, they'd have to change what their roles were somewhat, but... Um, Move on. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering why the next one is in on this first. This uh, Roe Laren, because Roe was not in many episodes, was she? No, no. Again, no. no. another one. Why? Okay, I, I see you're you're making a list, but the the, the especially the, uh, the the IMDb one, they're just seem to be throwing everybody in there, and it's like, uh, mm. why? I think unless yeah, anybody actually wants to, to speak up. They even went as far as putting in somebody to play uh, uh, Alyssa Ogawa. It's like, really? Well, I can defend the Alyssa Ogawa thing because at, if you're going to have Crusher still there and there's going to be a scene in the movie where they go to sickbay... You might as well at least have a Gawa. There's no reason not to. It's an insignificant character, but at least throw it in there for the fans. So I can kind of see that. It's just, it, you know, there's no reason to develop that character or anything. But just, you know, you don't even have to name the character. Just there she is, you know. But I, I can see where they're going with that as a background character. Right. But to me, that's the most likely one. Of all these ones of like, you know, Row or... Q even, or I don't know who else they're talking about here. Um, Barkley. I mean, what would be the point of Barkley? Mm. You know, that's nothing. Um, But of all these sort of backgroundy characters, second tier, third tier, I guess, Agawa would seem to me to be the one that would survive because there's no reason to invent another character. Unless, of course, your other character would be maybe the EMH or something like that. I don't know. As far as um, reoccurring odd, you know, every now and then characters, I think the only one that you could really put in there would be O'Brien, you know. Maybe, but even that would be, I, I would think that would just be well, that's as far one down shot. That's as, as, as far yeah. down as I'd go. I mean, I wouldn't go any further down than that. So, you know, no Barkley, no uh, Agawa. Yeah. I think I think you'd do it just like you did in the 2009 movie where Nurse Chapel is there and you hear... Mm. Um, her being called out, but it's you know it's background. And but I think that that's exactly what you would do with a Gawa. Is if you're going to have the scene in the sick bay, there's no reason not to have a Gawa there. Right. But would you? You wouldn't even necessarily have to say your name. You know, you could just sort of float any Asian American woman there, and the assumption by fans would be, oh, that's, that's a Gawa. probably a Gawa. You know, you don't fine. need to get fed much. Yeah, you just need to say, here you go, here's something, you know. 
Because this would make it Gawa, up. <laughs> even, yeah, even a Gawa was a better actor than Denise Crosby. I mean, not much, but it was enough there to be, have sympathy with. Anyway, anyway, moving on to whoever Roe or where are we going? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, we're up to Wesley Crusher now, I think. Up to, huh? All right. Okay. So well, let's. Uh, let, Roe yeah? without any input on. I don't know if Jeff had anything to say on uh, Roe Laren. Anyone on Roe? Oh, I would yep. throw, I would I would throw in Roe that I would much rather have Roe in here than than Tashiar. And I would think it I mean, again, you gotta look at the changing demographics of America. I I absolutely think if you're gonna go out with next gen, again, you've got to increase the number of women who are on the bridge. In some way, shape or form, you just gotta do it. And the Roe thing could be interesting. I mean, I don't know. If you would be able to do some sort of enough background to understand why she's angry and why she's not following the rules, but somebody like that, a character that is not quite following the rules, that is not on board with the the rest of our, our main cast, I can kind of see that being an interesting little subplot that they might want to drop down just so that Next Gen doesn't look like, you know, the perfect crew or whatever. I can kind of get that and, you know, it'd be nice to have a Bajoran in there, even though if you didn't actually explain the whole Bajoran thing, because you might not have time to. But I can see that happening. Yep. Yeah. Okay, let me play Ian's click for Wesley then. Sir, I know this may finish me as an acting ensign, but... Shut up, Wesley! <laughs> exactly. Lieutenant, pick a good security team. Let me know what he does. Hi, sir. Shut up, Wesley. Doctor. And since I am finished here, sir, may I point out that... Shut up, Wesley. ...that everything that I have said would have been listened to if it came from an adult officer. Request permission to return to my quarters, sir. Agreed. Doctor, go with him. You're putting me off the bridge. <laughs> and we've got suggested here from the IMDB, Alexander Gould, uh, You Can't Miss the Bear. That's the series he's related to there. And on the second list, we've got very young-looking uh, Chandler Riggs. Um, looks very young to me there. My, my, problem with this whole, my problem with this whole Wesley Crusher thing is that again, you know, kind of like Data, you've got you know somebody who's super smart and and Really, I don't think if if, if it was going to be a movie, then I don't think they'd even bother with Wesley unless they had him be you know if they had Crusher on board and they had Wesley on board, but he would be one of like uh, he'd be a lot older and uh, he'd get killed off at the end. Right. To give you that kind of emotional attachment for somebody to respond to, and he'd just get killed. <laughs> but I mean, if a TV series, it'd be a bit different, and you know. But even then, I don't think the, the boy genius thing really kind of works that well anymore. Uh, my nomination for that part, by the way, is um, Thomas Sankster, or Thomas Brody Sankster, as he's mm-hmm. calling himself now, uh, the young guy from Human Nature, Family of Blood, of course, who played, um, he's played lots of things since, hasn't he? But um, uh, really, I, a promising actor, I thought. Yeah. 
a lot of enthusiasm I can see in the room. Why would you spend if you're talking movie, why would you expend the narrative time on the guy? But if you're going to do so, you know, somebody that it looks like Chandler Riggs does here is how I would go. I would definitely go way younger than the sort of teenage like mid teen thing that was going on with um Will Wheaton. Uh, but again, it's a question. When you think about movie, you got to think about how you're budgeting your narrative time. And I, I don't even think that what Ian is suggesting is particularly interesting. Although it's better than not, I suppose. Um, but I, I just, I, I, unless you're going to do something that direct. Here's one thing that I think that you could do that would make some sense. Uh, you know, one of the big problems, I think, narratively with Next Gen as a series, they they kept doing this, and I don't know of any other way to say it, so if this blows the rating, whatever, this cocktease thing about the relationship between Beverly and, and Jean-Luc. And they, you know, this, this nebulous thing that made no sense. Are they actually together? Are they not together? Why are they not together? It doesn't... You know, does she get jealous when all of a sudden he's, you know, having his morning tea with somebody else? And if she does, why does she get jealous for that? Um, it, that always was one of the big problems of the series. And I think if you were in a movie, if you were to step that up and say, this movie is going to in part be about the problems of the captain getting together with the chief medical officer, with the department head, um, if that became the central focus of a, a subplot, then I think you could throw in Wesley Crusher, and I think that you could have something there for him to do, especially if you took the time to say, you know, it's Picard's fault that Wesley doesn't have a father anymore, and you actually did something with that emotionally, then you have a reason to have Wesley there, and then that would be okay. But again, you know, essentially, if you take the totality of Next Gen, uh, Wesley is at best, a recurring character. He's not really a regular character, even though his name is in the titles for, what, three and a half seasons or whatever. Um, but, you know, even within that, you know, he's not in every episode. He's, he's, I think he's in the number of episodes that are sort of required by the union in order for your name to be in the opening credits, but he's not in every episode, that's for damn sure. And then, I tend to think of him as an also ran character, and I tend to think the smartest thing is just not to include him. But if you are going to do something with the romance, then there is something useful for having the kid there, too. Yeah, that would then make sense to have a, a younger kid. And, you know. mm-hmm. Yeah, especially if they went series wise. Yeah, if they went series wise, then then that would be a good kind of oh yeah thing. If they, yeah, the only the only problem with the the, the relationship in, in the next generation is probably because of the you know it was never stipulated as being part of you know the when they wrote episodes that it had to you know had to at least be aware of this. I think there are some episodes that just completely ignored it, and then there were others that they just focused way too much on it, and and it's like oh we're we're addressing this again, you know. But they never go anywhere with it. And that's the, even in those episodes where it's sort of there. I mean, there's only one episode that is clearly centered on that relationship 
it's the one where they're sort of joined together or whatever, way late. I think it's Series 7 or Series 6 or whatever, but way late in the run. They finally do something. Series 7. Uh, series, yeah, it's... Yeah. And I guess that was meant to be, you know, in the way that Series 7 worked of, you know, giving an episode to all these minor characters so that we have, you know, the final Reginald Barkley episode, the final Roe episode, whatever. It was meant to bow out that relationship, but... I mean, it was so lame. Everything is lame about the emotion of Next Gen, but that was particularly lame and, and cowardly to not do anything with that on the part of the writers. Okay. Uh, have, is it quite enough for you to talk now, Jeff? Uh, yes, yes, it is. Um, I, I don't think you could have Wesley on the bridge and O'Laren. So if you're gonna if you're gonna write. Uh, Wesley is, you know, this prodigy kid that uh, Picard makes an acting ensign. He's the bridge, is the navigator, uh, the helmsman. Um, you can't have Rolaren as well. You've got to have one or the other. Hmm. Yeah, I think Wesley would be used best again, you know, for the romance thing, but also as a bridge to the civilian side of the Enterprise, kind of. Um, you know, seeing what life was like for an officer when she came home from, you know, the day's work in the sick bay. That kind of has some appeal to it. But even that, you know, again, two hours. We're talking movie, two hours. Can you afford it? Can you afford that time? Not really. I just want to ask a question. Are we specifically talking about a movie or a revised series? Well, I, I'm I kind of looking I, I, at it from both sides well, because, you know, f for the list that they've got here. And we lost Ian again, I think. It's gone to the Mirror Universe again. Uh, yeah, I, I was thinking because it, because of the reboot of the by the movie franchise, I was assuming it was connected more with the or at least the original idea, but I mean, it, obviously, it would affect your casting whether you were doing it for TV or for a movie. Obviously, uh, very true. But as Ken and I were talking before the um, the episode today started, I don't really think the Next Generation translated to movies very well at all. Right. Uh, except for uh, one movie, which was. Outstanding, I thought. The others were just like extended episodes. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, the I mean, the one thing about the original Star Trek, where when it made the movie, it was basically you know a three, uh, you know, the Three Musketeers, wasn't it? It was you know the captains Spock and Bones, really, and they were the ones that went off and did battle. Uh, and the rest was really the background. A few people in red shirts to sort of die a noble death and, uh, or an ignominious one. And that was it. Okay, let's let's move on, if we may. Uh, I think we've probably given Wesley Crusher more than his fair due. Let's go to Geordie the Forge and another clip Ian prepared. Geordie? Lieutenant, you're on the observation lounge. Send a team here now. Medical's been worried about you. Help me. 
Help me to not give in to the wild things coming into my mind. Jordy, my job is security. Tasha, please. All right. All right, helping is more important. Jordy, how can I help you? Help me to see, like you do. But you already see better than I can. I see more. But more isn't better. Jordy, please put I want to see in shallow, dim, beautiful, human ways. We'll talk about it, Jordy. Right now, I'm going to take you to sick bay. All right? And we've got from the INDB list uh, Donald Glover from Mystery Team as they're nominated. And on the second one, the the MarySue.com site. Um, what's that? Ed, I, oh, I can't pronounce that, guys. Anybody got it in front of them? Let me put it in the room. Ian, are you back yet with us? Oh, I don't know. Because you don't want to pronounce it either. Let me put it in the room. You can't hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, can you pronounce that name? All right, I'm just getting the list. Garth, I've put it in the room. Edith, Eddie. Edith Gatigi. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. Edith Gatigi, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, got no idea. Oh, it's from uh, X-Men First Class. Yeah. Uh, I don't like any other choices. I'd go with Don Cheadle. Because I like Don Cheadle. But I'd, I wouldn't do the visor. I would do the eyes, but I wouldn't do the visor. I wouldn't, I wouldn't bother with anything. I'd just have him as being... Oh, no, you got to do the eyes. That's, I mean, that's that's just an opportunity to do some cool CG. and I mean, that's what makes Shorty cool, is that he doesn't see the world in the same way as everybody else. Yeah, I mean, that's what bothered me about the original series, the, about Next Generation, is they they made so little of being able to see what he sees or what he sees all the time. It's just something that was like every now and then they'd bring it up, and it's just like, well, it right, effect, the, as it was, it's like the only name that comes, sorry, name comes to mind to me, sorry, is uh, Justin Lee Potts from. Um, um, Primeval, because he, he plays a bit of a, a whizzy techno guy, and of course Jordy LaForge is is the engineer. So, you know, somebody mm. that's the one I could think of. Uh, I think it a few people know. I mean, from Primeval. Mm. Yep, I know what you mean. Yeah, I mean, to, to me, this this one character comes the closest to having a portrayal that's so dominant and so iconic that I just can't see past um, LeVar Burton. I'm really having a hard time. Um, in, in the same way that I guess you guys think that Patrick Stewart is fundamental to the role, I, I really think LeVar Burton is fundamental to this role. There's never been a better engineer. There's never been anybody on Star Trek that could do techno babble with the empathy with the, the sheer believability 
um, of LeVar Burton. And, it, it, you know, seeing so many actors go through the Star Trek stable and grapple with um, Technobabble, it is so clear LeVar Burton is like a hundred times better than everybody else. A hundred times. Um, you know, it, it's... I can't... I'm sure that there's an actor out there that can do it. And I'm sure the two that, it, you know, modern writers would probably not rely on it as much. So therefore, it wouldn't be that big a deal. But, you know, if you're talking about the character as it has been presented so far, somebody that you call down to, he gives you a realistic assessment of what's going on, tells you exactly what's wrong, and comes up with a hypothesis about how to fix it, therefore requiring technobabble. Um, man, there's just nobody better. There's just nobody better. And, you know, the, the thing that I would do dominantly in a, in a next-gen remake is I would say Jordy LaForge is the captain. Period. He is absolutely the best actor that's working on Next Gen. He should be the captain on that basis alone. And I mean, again, we're talking about the old series. Um, but I think it would be interesting just to say, to start Next Gen and say, you know what, there is no Picard. That way you don't offend anybody by having somebody, um, you know, attempting to be like Patrick Stewart. You just start out and say there was a Picard. Maybe you see Picard do a handoff ceremony, whatever. But basically the person that's in charge is Jordy LaForge. And, and that would be a fascinating reboot. But it, if, you're, if you're saying, no, you're not going to go that way, you're saying you're going to basically recast parts one for one, you're going to say that everybody is in the positions that they were in on TV, then I think finding somebody to replace LeVar Burton is a task beyond my ability to do. I mean, just really, I can't see any actor working today that could step into that role and do it any kind of justice. But again, like I say, they probably wouldn't write the role the same way, so they would write it you know, towards actor, actors who weren't required to do that, but there's no there's no better actor in the entire next gen cast than LeVar Burton, period. Jeff? Mm. I'd have to say that uh, uh, I agree with Darth there. With the exception of Patrick Stewart, I, I think LeVar Burton was the best actor on the Next Generation series. Um but I think they underutilized his character way too much. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! And I wish there was had been more Jordy um, central stories. I, and with his visor, I, I think that would have uh, just played so much into the series, adding so much in. Uh, I, I think it was a wasted opportunity. And how is this man bad with the ladies? Ooh! 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 How is this man? Bad with the ladies. I don't. I never understood that. Most of the little subplots in Next Gen, I never understood because they made no sense. How is Riker? How is he great with women? How is he funny? Because people tell us that, but that's not in Frake's portrayal. How is you know Jordy LaForge bad with women? That doesn't make any sense. I mean, he he does a pretty good job of given the lines that he's given. You you kind of see it, but 
No way, man. I mean, when he's just naturally speaking to somebody, there ain't no way that man is having any problems getting anybody he wants. Doesn't make any sense. And then, you know, you look at Patrick Stewart and you're thinking, really? Seriously? You're not, you know, you're, you're supposed to be somebody who in his youth was all reckless and stuff. That, you know, that doesn't make any sense. And it also kind of doesn't make any sense. You know, why is he messing around with Gates McFadden over here? Because she's, you know, a wet fish, to be sure. And her acting is pretty horrible. Um, and, I, you know, there's this great podcast that um, it's called Trechnobabble. And I don't know if anybody's ever heard of it. It's great. They go back and they, they listen to, um, they do commentaries for all of Next Gen. And there's one guy on there, and he's like, oh, my God, the best thing on Next Gen is Gates McFadden. And I'm like, really? Gates McFadden is the best thing on Next Gen? You, I, I don't know what show you're watching, but it is not Next Gen. Because she's just horrible. That, that whole character is just limp as everything. Um, but anyway. Top down stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so I, I don't know. But Jordy... I don't know who on this planet could do the character as it was previously written, but there probably, again, are tons of people who could do the role um, as it will be written or as it would be written in the future or whatever. Well, you probably want Simon Pegg, I should think, don't you? God, no. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you liked him in the the movie. As Scotty, but not as Jordan yeah. Forge. You don't think you could do the transition, right? That, that, that's my whole Ooh. problem. With this discussion, I I just see these characters as they were portrayed by these actors in the yeah. 80s and 90s, and it's hard to find somebody, I think, that could play these characters now. Now, I, I'm not saying it's impossible. They obviously did a, a pretty good job with the Star Trek reboot in 09, but for well, me, it's hard. Know, but it's apples to oranges again, because... You know, there's just a different structure to the nature of the original series than there is to Next Gen because original series is like Dave was just saying, it's three Musketeers. You got three core characters, and there's you know one character who's the rationalist in the middle, and then you've got the emotional guy on one side, you got the logical guy on the other side. You're dealing with situations from all three of those angles. Captain Kirk makes the decision, and off we go. And to the extent that there are other characters on in that universe. Um, they are relatively sidelined, although the great thing about 2009 was it basically said it's not just three people anymore, it's actually four, because Uhura is clearly a part of the mix, because now you've got sort of a pseudo-romantic triangle between Kirk, Spock, and Uhura, and her competency is key to at least that storyline. We don't know about other storylines, but that storyline had everything to do with being able to decipher messages and, and and all that um so you needed her there but that that's not what happens in next gen i mean we're looking here you know at this mary sue list that we're looking at 14 people they got on this lamb list um and and that's sort of the problem with next gen is that it was a show that was meant to be an ensemble but they never really did a great job of defining any of these people and to the extent that definitions are out there I think that they're really against what the the actors themselves were portraying. Um, so it's bad definition, and what definition is there, you can't really trust. Um, and, you know, everybody in the world has their idea of who are the good characters on Next Gen and who are the bad, but everybody is in pretty broad agreement about 
original series because there are only three possibilities. I mean, you can like McCoy better than you like Spock. You can like Kirk better than you like McCoy. But at the end of the day, you got to have all three of them. The thing doesn't work without all three of them. You know, well, it's, it's one person, isn't it? Really, it's one three. person. Yeah, it's three sides of one person, and that's why that works so well in movies because you know that's a simple narrative structure. It's you know how do you get all three of those sides of the personality to eventually align to a point of action where you take out the villain. That's what every good original series movie is about. Um, but here, you know, it's not at all like that. It's much more confused. Um, and it, it very much depends on what the nature of the script is as to who you might need. So I could, you know, if you were starting to build a new franchise of movies, let's say, uh, with next gen there, I can very much see that in one movie, you might have six of these characters and in another movie, you might have you know, 10 of these characters, depending upon what the plot needs were. But I can't see a movie where you would need all of these characters. That would just be horribly bifurcated. and Not bifurcated, but it would be hor- horribly... Um, it would be so superficial for each one of these characters that it would add up to nothing. Um, so, you know, I think if we're talking about this as a realistic proposition, it, it would you'd have to put a script in front of me first before I would say who you would cast in a way, because it would depend upon what part of the LaForge character we were seeing, what part of the Picard character we were seeing, what part of the Riker character, you know, and then you'd start to build something else. And, and, and to be honest with you, I mean, let's, it, it would just be better and easier. If you're, again, if you're speaking realistically, it would be better not to do this. It would be better if you're going to open up. Yes, you need to open up another Star Trek franchise. I can see that. But just don't do this because it's not – you want something brand new. You want something that people can get their teeth into and not feel like they're missing something or whatever. You want something completely different than this because uh, none of these characters are particularly strong enough to carry anything except for maybe Worf. Uh, one last thought from me about Jordy. What about Noel Clark? That would be difficult now that he actually is in the Star Trek franchise. Oh, of course, from the yeah, because yeah, 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 yeah. And thought about that. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. There's no way that Noel Clark has the ability to even. Sorry, there's no way that Noel Clark has the ability to even do this. No way. No, no freaking way. Okay, anybody else want to comment further on Johnny? Because I think we, we ought to push on. We're coming up to the two-hour mark. Uh, and and I'm, I'm not even too sure whether we cover all these. Ian, do you want to take... Um, I mean, do we do Barclay? What do you think? I just run through it. Barclay. I mean, again, it falls under the, 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 the other, you know, the other characters. We mentioned the background characters that have had... Um, you know, small roles in there. It's like they're, they're, the suggestion on the the, the Mary Sue list for for Barclay. Um, what was it? I missed it now. Uh, Billy Boyd. Uh, I think it'd be kind of cool. Billy Boyd. Hey, he'd be he'd be fun. But uh, you know, beyond that, it's it's one of those. And I I don't know where they get Brian Cranston for for doing Barclay. It's just stupid. Mm. 
but yeah, it's just me. Anybody want to comment on this one, and we'll move over him briefly, if not. Miles Ryan. Brian, it's like, I don't even know if I put him in here. Again, background character. If you're going to continue rebooting parts of the Star Trek franchise, you know, save him for Deep Space Nine. But I do like their suggestion on the, the Mary Sue list of of, uh, of Ewan McGregor. Actually, I think he'd be a good writer. But hey. No, without getting any people biting, so... I, I, don't, well, I don't know if you could just ignore this character. I mean, he was there from the very first pilot episode right up through, what, the first part of season six? I, I think you got to have like, O'Brien. Uh, yeah. uh, well, I mean, the thing is, it's like, do you, or do you save him for a DS9 reboot? Um I don't think that's going to happen. Right. But, but I mean, like, if we're if we're continuing in this, you know, fantasy thread of like, you know, he becomes far more of a character when you bring on Deep Space Nine. You know, there was oh, true. very much character development. I mean, yes, you got the war stuff coming up, and uh, and uh, Smash to Keiko and and and. Uh, well, this is really yeah. This is one of her character until this is DS. Yeah, yeah, but they did develop this character, especially from season four on of Next Gen. Uh, I, I think there was enough there. I mean, he he did marry Keiko and got a daughter and got a first name at some point. And <laughs> <laughs> he was featured in a fourth season episode of The Wounded. I think there was, was the a, name of the episode. And there was, yeah, a, there was I, an episode I was watching the other day, and they they actually talk to O'Brien, but you never see him. It was fantastic because they're like, let's just keep O'Brien in there. And they're like, do you have him, Mr. O'Brien? <laughs> they're like, you just hear a voice. Yes. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, they don't even show him. Talk to him like two or three times. He's not even there. I don't think he's named until Series 2, right? Or maybe even Series 3 before he gets the name. Yeah, it's, it's not. I mean, you actually think, see him in the transporter room that, that I think he actually gets a name. Maybe, I mean, and you know, you you can say that he was there from the beginning, and there's an extent to which that's true, but that's ignoring the fact that he's not in a hell of a lot of the episodes. I mean, he's very much of a guest star. Um, I think you could easily not have him, but you know, well, I think he's the next generation Kyle from from the original series. Good morning, Kyle. Eh, but maybe, I mean, because you never, Kyle never got a featured episode. Kyle never got married. Kyle never got, you know, that's true. Of, you know, there's no sense of who Kyle. What I'm not even sure. What's his first name? Is it John Kyle? I, I'm not even sure. Um, but of course, you know, that's my knowledge is probably just because I know Deep Space Nine so well. So of course he's Miles O'Brien to me. Um, but I, I would think too. You know, you're thinking if you're thinking about making a movie, you're talking about trying to find the elements within that franchise that most people out there will know about or that can be easily introduce and that are relevant. And I'm not sure that if, if your only experience of Star Trek is really next gen, I'm not sure how much you know Miles O'Brien really. Um, 
But still, I mean, you you could put him in there and you could call him O'Brien. It'd be just like the Ogawa thing. If you're going to be in the transporter room, why not have him there? But I I find the notion of um, proposing Ewan McGregor to be ridiculous. I mean, that's beyond fantasy into like parallel universe fantasy. There is no way on God's green earth that Ewan McGregor is going to accept the role of Miles freaking O'Brien. I mean, that's just... I, I agree. There's no way. I mean, who you get from Miles O'Brien is some kid. It's actually Miles you know, Edward O'Brien, not Miles freaking... Anyway. You get a kid. You know, you don't get somebody who's an established actor at all. Yeah, uh, he was actually in... Uh, encounter at Farpoint. He was in the counter. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we Battle Bridge Con. Yeah, and that's why he's you know in the final episode too. Mm-hmm. But if he had more than thirty-five episodes, I'd be somewhat surprised. Sure, there's no way he's in the majority. Again, I guess it's uh, it, it, talking about a movie franchise or bringing the series back. Yeah. Yeah. And that would be another role that I think he would say, um, let, let's not have this be a white guy. I would tend to think he wouldn't do that. I would tend to think he would say, there's no particular reason that this needs to be an exact copy of what we had before. I think we can probably safely make O'Brien female or you know, whatever, but not not go for anybody who even resembles um Colmini. Yeah. Let's move on then, shall we? Yep. Move on. Uh, number eleven we've got uh Councillor Diana Troy, we've got a clip for that one, so I'll play that clip. Chocolate ice cream, chocolate fudge, and chocolate chips. You're not depressed, are you? I'm fine, Commander. Would you like me to leave you two alone? (laughs) No, you can join us. No, thanks. I don't like fudge. Really? I never met a chocolate I didn't like. Doesn't it taste good? Mm, of course it does, but it's not just a matter of taste. It's the whole experience. First of all, you have to spoon the fudge around the rim, leaving only the ice cream in the middle. Then you gently spoon the ice cream around the sides, like you're sculpting it. Reddish. Every bite, make everyone an event. And then, with the last spoonful, close your eyes. I had no idea it was such a ritual. Chocolate is a serious thing. I'm in. And, and just to say that um, uh, Ken has uh, is not just being quiet here to uh, 
had to rush off. He had some uh, family business. So he says everything's okay, but he just had to leave and uh, have yeah. a great rest of the show. Now, would you like to pronounce the name of the actress in their IMDb list that they've put forward? <laughs> J- J- Jan- Janina, uh, is that? We put it in the room for you. I I couldn't even. Uh, Gavanka is her last name. I guess she was in, uh, in Barber Shop. I don't know half the people on this family. Actually, more than half of the people on this list. Uh, I guess she's been in True Blood. Uh, and the other one is anyway, uh, 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 Michelle Doc- Dockery. Is the other one from uh, oh from Downton Abbey? Is it? Mm-hmm. Don't watch that, but still. Um, as much as I like Deanna Troy, um, she wouldn't be able to be counselor. I mean, if this is a movie, uh, I just don't see any point in having a ship's counselor even be part of the storyline. And I still wondered, really, when we went into the movies, how they managed to keep giving her something to do in in a, in a movie situation, you know. Yes, because it can be slowing the action down, couldn't it, in, in one hmm. sense? Uh, yeah. I mean, you, you could argue you should have a beta, a beta zoid, is it, right. uh, on the crew. But you could double up, uh, I think, as Darth mentioned before. I mean, one of the other ones uh, she could be... Um, uh, uh, what's the other one? The ones from Deep Space Nine. Uh, uh, ones with the nose, bridges on the nose. Is that helping me? Yeah, she could be a Bajoran or, a, uh, or, or in this case, you know, you could double up two, two you could roll two or three characters into one. Yeah, uh, I can't really think of anybody I'd like to play her as. Who's the girl out of, I have um, no idea who these two people are, so. Right, right. How about the girl from, um, oh, good God. Free Anna Friel, is it? Uh, no, the the Indian actor actress from um, the big Slumdog Millionaire. The, the girl had Slumdog Millionaire. Uh, uh, Frida Pinto. Frida That's it. Pinto. Frida Pinto. Yeah. But basically, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm not getting a lot of thoughts on this one, so. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that, you know, one name that comes to my mind at least is Marina Baccarin. Um She might be slightly old for it now, I guess, but not, I don't think so. I think that she still would be fine. Um, again, though, I really wouldn't do with this character what was done before. Um, uh, seriously, she should be the first officer. I mean, you need to put her into... The best episodes with her are always the ones where she's doing some sort of command stuff. And it, I know there aren't that many examples of that, but they are still the best things because she makes an, an interesting leader. She makes... You know, a leader who is really emotional. I mean, the thing about, you know, Bose is he's not the leader. He's just emotional. You know, he's the doctor, 
And in most situations, unless there's a medical crisis, he's not actually the one that's in charge. So he's just free to chip in around the, the margins and make some funny remarks and you move on. But to have somebody who's actually empathic, um, you know, somebody like the, the Delta, and of course, that we got in, in Star Trek One, really making the decisions in a lot of situations would be fascinating. Um, and I, I, I would definitely move that character up to first officer. And, you know, whether you keep Riker around as counselor or just make Riker maybe a junior officer to her, um, in some way mess with the chemistry, mess, I mean, mess with the relationship math of that. And it'll it'll be more interesting than what we got on TV. Um, but, there, you know, it doesn't have to be somebody who's, you know, light skinned with black hair. It can be sort of anybody um, that you could throw in there. And it, it, it's a matter of defining that character better first. You know, because if you go on just what's on TV, that character's all over the map about what that character does. Um, and, you know, she goes from being totally useless in, in spouting off things that are, you know, emotionally obvious. Um, to being, you know, completely in charge. And I think the key to that character is just like the key to any character in Star Trek, because Star Trek is about a meritocracy. Star Trek is about what happens when you let people do things to the best of their ability. And far too often, Deanna Troy was not the example of that. You know, I mean, you look at the last movie, she was a rape victim. I mean, my God. Horrible. I mean, it's good that that movie tanked because that movie should in no way have been rewarded for doing that to one of their major stars. Horrible. You know, even that clip that you played. I mean, it's fun that that's an aspect of her character that she likes to have chocolate. But, I mean, my God, that became the touchstone of that character. Every time, every single time that character showed up on Voyager, what happened? Give me some chocolate ice cream. I mean, that's, it's fine if that's a character trait. But you've got to make the character strong. You've got to make the character competent in her field. Whatever that field that is that you decide upon, there's no point in having her on the bridge if all she's there to do is say, hey, you know, that thing out there that's angry at us, I think it's actually angry at us. Well, where's it angry at you? It's firing at you. You know, make it make that character relevant and then you start to cast it. But uh, it's really hard to, to say exactly who should be in that role based on what that role was on TV. And I, I bet money that there would be a lot of actors, if you're just basing it on what's on TV, I bet there would be a lot of actors who would say, there's no way I'm touching that role because it's stupid and it's demeaning to women. Mm-hmm. I can't, the only name I'm coming up with is uh, Michelle Ryan, but probably... Mm-hmm. Should be way, maybe wasted on that. I mean, that's as good a name as any. But again, I think I think you have to do some basic reformulation of that character to include her in any future iteration. Mm-hmm. And thanks for that link, Jeff. By the way, uh, Jeff put a link into the the name of the lady you'd suggested has been in an awful lot. This Archie. Pan- Punjabi, or I'm not sure. Oh, Punjabi, yeah, she'd be great. She'd be great, yeah. Yeah, uh, she's on the series The Good Wife. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I think she has the look, and I think she she has the uh, acting ability to play the role. Oh, she's in Life on Mars. Oh. The American version of Life on Mars. Okay, Ian, do we move on? I think uh, time is racing up on us a little bit. We may have lost him. Um, number 12, we've got uh, uh, Beverly Crusher. We've got uh, Molly Parker suggested. Uh, Molly Parker from The Road, film The Road suggested uh, on one. Who have we got suggested for Beverly Crusher? We've got um, Bryce Dallas Howard. Uh, not too sure what she's been in. She's actually just been picked because she looks very similar in looks to Gates McFadden. But it doesn't actually say what she has been in already. So uh, I'm sure Ian would probably probably say uh, one of his favourite redheads from Doctor Who should be in, of course. You know, some tall, willowy girl with long legs. Yeah, I can hear you. Can you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. Good. How about Daphne Ashbrook? Uh, no, she, she's probably not too old. What, not for the, for the doctor? She's not an actor. Can't have it. She's, she's really quite horrible. Born in 1963, so she's... Oh, she'll be 50 next year. Is that right? Seems limey. Mm-hmm. I don't think that I don't think an age is a barrier to that particular part, really. I think I thought she was older than that, so I stand corrected. I think it, it, this is one where you got to say it depends on how they write it. I mean, this character was I mean it's it's I, I think of all the characters that were there for the entire run it, it, it's a toss up between Gates McFadden or Jonathan Franks Frakes who's the worst actor now Frakes of course has redeemed himself because he's clearly a great director and they, they got some, some great work out of him as a director but as an actor he's pretty horrible um, and Gates McFadden is just so horrible to watch I mean it's it's painful that, that one episode where she is the star and you know the entire world is uh, oh, the bubble impl- universe yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's important to where she is the only person left around, to me that is the definition of hell. I mean, <laughs> that the entire universe could be left with all her as, as the person We're in it. Peeking out again, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I can't really tell anymore whether I'm peeking out, but um, yeah, she's horrible. And so she's not a template for how that character should have ever been played. So I don't think you're looking to emulate her. I think you're trying to figure out with that material, you know, are you, is the romance side of it going to be there? That would influence, I think, who you cast. If it's not there, you know, 
do you need to are you going to have the kid around if you're not going to have the kid around then you know why not go with somebody who is actually older and more competent i mean my own personal physician is you know a 60 year old female and i think she would be great as crusher i mean i could just imagine her actually as crusher um because she's you know useful and and competent and you know a forceful personality um, a lot of a would lot you of things want to that, like Pulaski, Doctor Pulaski? Uh, you know, I don't really like that actor too much, but I, I can see where you're saying, yeah, make it more like a wise old sage. Lindsay than, Duncan, then? Um, not played it, Captain Adelaide. Not a huge fan of her, um, but yeah, I mean, I can see going in that direction. You know, depending upon what you're going to do with that character. And and again, you'd have to see the script and you have to say, based on the script, what are we going to do? I, I, I just don't see the portrayal by Gates McFadden as something worthy of that emulation, worthy of keeping in any regard whatsoever. There's nothing about that portrayal that is the least bit interesting. Yeah, I'm missing a trick now as well. I should be naming my girl out of uh, Silent Witness, who played uh, more goose out of... Uh, and I can't remember her name again. Come on, somebody have to talk while I look that up. <laughs> Righty, Bob. Uh, uh, you're not going to help me, are you, Ian? No. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> Let's come in. It's coming. <laughs> so it's Christmas. Amelia Fox. There you go. <laughs> well, she plays a pathologist on Silent Witness, so it's not too much of a stretch for her. I thought you'd be going for your, for your uh, woman from uh, Luther. There's a redhead for you. You just watch, you just watch the show for her, then, don't you? <laughs> there we are. That's what she looks like. Okay, well, um, no response in the room, so uh, where are we up to? Oh, we're... What, no Ruth Wilson? Oh, that's a good (laughs) choice. Oh, from Luther, yeah, yeah, yeah. The other one I thought for you, Ian, was uh, Okinado, what you call the um, Sophie Okinado, is it? Jade, who played Jade, that, um, list ten. List ten, yeah, yeah. She could be, she could be fine. Oh wait, are we doing Guinan or are we doing McFadden's role? Ooh, I, I think I could see her as the doctor. Yeah. Well, actually, both doctors for that matter, but I could see her. Oh, the other thing I'd mention about the doctor role is that would be something. I could see, you know, if you're not going to explore any of the emotional territory with that character, I would say drop that character altogether and just go with the EMH. You know, I I think that would be interesting. And especially if you're not going to have data, um, you know, let all that, you know, human stuff or whatever, you know, the exploration of humanity or whatever, let that reside with the EMH. The EMH was a far more interesting explorer of that territory on Voyager than Data was on Next Gen because um, 
at the end of the day, he didn't actually want to be human. I mean, for a time, yes, but basically he decided, I'm better than being human, and, and you get to celebrate and explore the humanity territory, but you do it in a way that's not so sycophantic, I suppose, as, as uh, Data was. So, you know, you could easily throw in the EMH, and if you throw in the EMH, there's no reason not to use Robert Picardo, because it doesn't matter that he's a little bit older, because it's, you know, not a real person. It's an EMH. Mm. Anyway, I'm sorry. Had we moved on to Guinan, actually, Sophie Okonoda was Guinan. Is that where we're going with that? I, I think she could play either either role. But yeah. I mean, I think we've finished the INDB list. I don't think we need to go to Catherine Polanski, do we? we uh, we've we've already mentioned the nurse. So as far as I can see, we've we've only got Guinan and maybe Q to cover. Uh, I don't know whether he has any additions to that. Um. No, no, no additions. But Guinan, I don't see any reason why Bobby Goldberg can't play it. I mean, basically, it's a bartender, and and I'm sorry, but Wanda Sykes is the last person I should have play Guinan. Um, I just don't really see, uh, apart from the, a similar pose in the picture. Uh, yeah, I, with somebody completely different, or Bobby Goldberg did a fine job for for all that character really is, you know. She's nothing. Yeah, it's just you know, um, they did some n- nice stuff with her, but uh, you know, you just need somebody, you know, kind of. Yeah, it's a cameo role, isn't it? You could just bring on somebody just to bring a little bit of. Uh, just to, and yeah. you just want a name, I suppose, in that part, just to bring them on three or four times. Or if it's a film, of course, just as a cameo point part. Right. Yeah. Her character almost disappeared at the end of the series. They went the whole seventh season and part of the sixth season with just a handful of appearances by Whoopi Goldberg. I, I've often wondered why. But then she showed up in Generations and kind of played a key role. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not too sure that you need this character. I mean, obviously, Star Trek was fine without the character. As you say, in the majority of episodes, she's not there. It doesn't really matter. Um, you do spend. The, this is another character, though, that you know is sort of set up and has some interesting aspects to it. But at the end of the day, nothing gets resolved. You get no sort of answers about why there's. She's even on the ship, really. Um, and if you're not going to explore that territory, then what is the point of having the character around? And I think that we've, we've seen in the, you know, latter three Star Trek movies, um, you know, save a little bit of a cameo at the wedding uh, of Star Trek 10, then, you know, she wasn't even there. And and the movie was fine without her, and it didn't didn't matter, you know. Uh, I, I don't see any great point to the thing, but this suggestion, I just have to say, the suggestion of Wanda Sykes over Whoopi Goldberg is really ridiculous. Uh, I, I think I join here with Ian and just saying, why the hell would you repl- you're replacing one character of a similar age with another character of a similar age? Why are you thinking you can't get Whoopi Goldberg that she's not going to have a few days off from the View? I think you could probably get her. You know, mm-hmm. um, she's clearly proud of her time on Star Trek. She sees the value of being around on Star Trek, I think if they said, you know, here's the script, we've got a good role for you in it, will you come back and do it? I think she would say, you know what, I'm going to make some time. 
somehow. And uh, it would so, make a linking factor, wouldn't it, as well? I mean, it would be the one long-lived character that would just give a little bit of a, a nod to the old series. And, I mean, it, I bet they would explore this territory. They could explore it, and that might be why you have Guinan in it. Um, Guinan could be the, the Spock character of the Next Generation movies. If we're talking about being in the Abramsverse version of Star Trek... Um, to have her played by the same person would suggest that somehow she knows the old version of the universe mm. and the new version of the universe, um, and that she traversed from the one to the other. And that would be as interesting and, and as intriguing as having the Nimoy around in both universes. Um, so, you know, there might actually be some utility having this character around. There really might. Um and, and so it would be totally stupid to replace her with anybody. Even if she looks older, that really doesn't matter. It really doesn't with this character. Yeah, I, I completely yeah. agree with both of you. Yeah. Okay, let's let's move to Q if we may, then, because we're getting a little bit... This short episode that Ian was talking about. <laughs> yeah. uh, the, 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 on this list, of course, the, their suggestion is... John Barrowman, which I don't, although I like John Barrowman, I mean, you need an over-the-top character. If I was picking somebody from Doc 2, I think I might pick Toby Jones as Q, but other than that, I've got no nothing to offer, I don't think. I've only got one thing to offer, but it's it's kind of out of the question now, and that would be bad at Cumberbatch. Hmm. Uh-huh. Because he's got that kind of uh, kind of odd look to him, where you could uh, really kind of he could play that kind of you know I'm above everybody, everything you know I'm, I'm you know totally I pretend to be pulling that off in a in a kind of cool, calm way, and you know being kind of fun. Dave, you don't think John Berman is over the top? No. Uh, it- he comes with a lot of baggage, I suppose, and, I, and I'm not talking about his private life baggage. Uh, I, I suppose he could play Q, but I think Toby Jones, perhaps I'm thinking of Do- Toby Jones, you know, from uh, Amy's Choice, th- that sort of character that he played there where it's sort of a a bit of an enigma, you know. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I don't know, I always thought of Q as the cosmic jokester, and that, to me, sounds like John Barrowman. <laughs> yeah. You know, again, this is a question of, are you going to do this with your movie? And, you know, again, you know, as long as we're talking about doing movies and not TV, then, you know, why would you have this character around unless they were the central villain, kind of? Um and, you know, this is another opportunity that I guess you could say, why not just let it be John Delancey? Because he's clearly still around. He's clearly still acting. Um, he has the same sort of qualities that he had before. There's no reason why it couldn't be. He he looks older now. Um, but again, you could link up to the original Star Trek universe by keeping the same actor and do that same thing we just talked about with Wolfie Goldberg. Um, I... I, I definitely would go down cute. Um, I, I see no point in having the character around whatsoever. If all you're doing is 
you know, having him around for a third of the movie. It's got to be the whole thing or nothing. And it's probably not going to be the whole thing because probably what you would do with the Next Generation crew in the first movie is you'd probably go back to the Borg. Probably. Um, so, I don't know. Uh, I, the, the, the possibility of Toby Jones, that's interesting. Just go completely off physical type and go into wackiness. And there, there is a palpable difference between Toby Jones and John Bowman's approach to being wacky. And the problem with the baggage, I think, that, that Dave is talking about is the baggage of being an entertainer, you know, mm-hmm. not the baggage of being, um, you know, just crazy and over the top, but actually being over the top in a way that treads up to, and in some cases, crosses the fourth wall. Um so I, I I wouldn't say Barman. I really wouldn't. I mean, I think you can tell that this list is made by geeks. I mean, that's that's reaching deep into the geek bag to pull that out, and that's not terribly realistic, I don't think. Um, I don't know though. Again, I, don't, I just don't see the particular use of Q unless you're talking about basically doing a redo of Best of Both Worlds. Yeah, where you have him introduce to the Enterprise again to the, you know, do the Q-Who introduction and put that onto the, the front of a redo of Best of Both Worlds um, so that your new audience members can be completely introduced to the Borg without having ever seen any Star Trek before, you know. I don't know. I, I, I really don't see this character as all that integral unless they are absolutely the villain of the piece. Yeah, there's going to be Keeping a reason for them to be there, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Seriously, I mean, it, why would the world if you got the guy basically looking the same as he did before? But, you know, more mature, but still. I mean, we can clearly see from Miracle Day that he's still got the chops. He's still got the stuff going on. So why not give it to him? Or have his son do it. Maybe. I mean, that's not, that's not a horrible idea. I mean, clearly, that's the only thing that saves that final appearance of Q in Voyager. Um, and he was, you know, reasonable. He was reasonable. And who knows if he's, he's going to be better now than he was then. And that's already, what, that's 13, 14 years ago. So, yeah, that could work. And I bet, I bet the last would love that. So, don't know. Alrighty, well that kind of brings, brings the list down. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. It, it's it's if you if you're gonna do a Q, you gotta go all out and do Q. Um, you yeah. can't just have him kind of like encounter at Five Point where he comes in, they do the thing, and then they depart on their first mission, and then they wrap that up, and he'd have to be in there doing something pretty pretty bad. And but then how do you deal with them trying to defeat you know an omnipotent yeah. being? With Mike's put a few things in in text there again. Even introducing Q to a possible story would create plot problems. Why not just have Q snap his fingers and resolve everything? He's Q. Uh, he could do that anyway. But anyway, Ian. Yes. Anyway, um, I'm hoping I can uh, <laughs> wrap up this show without uh, without uh, 
fading out into into nothingness. Um, but yes, thank you all for joining us. Um, it was a bit of fun. Um, yeah, it's one of those things where these lists are really done for geeks, and this—that's all it was. It was a bit of a bit of fun, although I didn't really know anybody on that uh, IMDb list. It's like, am I getting that old where I have no idea who these people are? <laughs> Shut up, Dave. It's all right, young man. So, anybody have any final thoughts before we close out the show? Well, well, just speaking about. Oh, cool. oh, just speaking about Q Who, this really makes me want to go and see this uh, uh, Fathom Events uh, movie mm-hmm. event uh, with Q Who and uh, The Measure of a Man. That's coming up at the end of the month. Uh, I was really debating on whether or not to go. Uh, it's going to be a much longer trip for me to go and come back, but uh, now I really want to go. <laughs> we talked you into it. Yes, I'm still not sure if I'm going to be able to go or not, but I want to. Seems an odd thing yep. to you know to switch around my uh, the show I'm doing, but I want to go and see it. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to cancel cancel uh, cancel uh, rehearsal on the on Thursday. <laughs> well, we'll see how the cast are doing. If they're doing badly, I can't go. If, if, and this time I'll probably just get the get the tickets at the theater because. Looks like a sold-out show. <laughs> so, all right. Well, I think that about wraps it up. Uh, <laughs> and of course, uh, Mike just suggested that Nicholas Cage for uh, well, actually, he started and just said, "Never mind." <clears throat> He'd snap his fingers and everybody would turn into Nicholas Cage playing everybody. <laughs> all right, time to wrap it up. Uh, join us next week, of course, when we'll be looking at um, some. Um, Little known um, movie guy, right? Is that it? Some Lucas yeah. guy. From the mind Lucas of George somebody. Lucas. Yeah. Oh, George, George Lucas. George, George Lucas. Oh, I think some people out there say it's obscure, but uh, I think uh, I think we might be able to stretch it into you know a couple of minutes. Anyway, anybody who has seen the uh, the Bond movie. Uh, Media Outsiders is on at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time later today. Uh, that's uh, call ID uh, 81865. There you go. All right. Well, until next week, it's goodbye from Mr. Dave AC. And it's goodbye from Ian, the Sixth Doctor. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>